Hello everybody and welcome back to Right in the Fields. My name is Terry Smith and guess what? We're back! Woo! Cheer! Or if you hated us, boo! <laughs> it's been a long time but I am pleased to announce Volume 2, Season 2, whatever the heck you want to call it. But Right in the Fields is back. Your favorite podcast or least favorite podcast where we talk about nothing but stuff that used to be and things that are kind of coming back. That's right, your favorite nostalgia podcast, Right in the Fields, coming back. Season 2, right here, right now. For a little while, for the next three weeks, we're going to do two episodes a week. Be excited for that. Can'tBeKilledCreations.com, Patreon.com slash Can'tBeKilledCreations. We have new podcasts over there, like our sister podcast, The Slovenly Trolls. These awesome women who talk about their feminist D&D opinions, facts. They are PhD candidates, and they do all the research. I'm super, super, super excited for their podcast. I have new comics coming out on Can'tBeKilledCreations.com. My first full-size comic, Growing Up, debuts this September. Be excited for that. So... We're back, better than ever, but I don't want to interrupt. We have this awesome conversation that was recorded over nine months ago before Invincible even aired. So this episode is going to be talking about the Invincible comic book and our love for it and how excited we are coming back. Uh, before the show actually came out, you'll get our thoughts on the show soon. I just wanted to preempt if you're like, what the heck are you talking about? You haven't watched it yet. That is, <laughs> this was recorded a long time ago. So we're going to do a sequel episode soon talking about the show as well as some of the spinoff comics. Uh, we also talked about Beetleborgs up front for a little while. And just as a recommendation, go watch that. It's fun. <laughs> I don't know if it's on anything right now. You can probably find it on YouTube. Uh, but yep, super duper excited. And please enjoy. Thanks. All right, you ready? Yep. Is your head in the game now? It's yes. Don't say don't say you need to play it again. I listen at a louder volume, perhaps. <laughs> we could play bet on it from uh, the second movie, or uh, or no, bet on it. Yeah, bet on it's the second movie, and then the third movie. I can't remember. He has another. I feel like it, so, uh, it should have been a requirement. Like, it should have been some paperwork we need to fill out, some sort of waiver before we became best friends. It's like, do you actually get Honest to God pumped up by listening to High School Musical, the soundtrack? And if you check the box, we could, like, shake hands and part ways. I wish there was something I could have known ahead of time. <laughs> well, when we became friends, though, High School Musical wasn't even out. I mean, it was around there, right? When did High School Musical come out? Were we in high school? We were in middle school. Okay. All so, right. So I guess there's some leeway years, there. Yeah. But I feel like you should know. I think that's one of those cosmic things. <laughs> like, you know how like you watch... I don't know if you've ever seen Doctor Who, but there's, a there's like, these things they call fixed points in time. So no matter what happens, like, they can't change it. You know, some dumb, timey-wimey, stupid rule stuff. Like, Abraham Lincoln always frees the slaves. Shit like that. I feel like High School Musical coming there are some up. it's always that are constant. Yes, and one of those is High School Musical. And goddamn why. Like... <laughs> listen we could do a whole episode on high school musical i have a lot of thoughts i have things. no thoughts other than i'm all right <laughs> like no thank you well no, listen i'll find somebody else out there to talk about it with there were two there were two phenomenons that i just i i seen them and i i've read 
about them, it was Twilight and High School Musical, and it's two of the things that I still maintain a little bit of douchebaggery about, you know, a little pretension. I'm just oh, like, oh, I haven't just... seen it. What? Oh, <laughs> no, I have seen them. That's the thing. It's just like, oh, God, you're into that. That's the, and I recognize it in myself. I'm like, that's not fair. I like a lot of stupid shit. <laughs> I like a lot of stuff that we wouldn't say, say is not quality. Okay? Beetleborgs theory. <laughs> okay, okay, listen, listen. Beetleborgs is kind of a hidden gem. All right, like this show has everything. There's kids with superpowers. They fight off monsters and they transform into Sentai characters. Okay, so before you're trying to step to me about how good Beetleborgs is, just, you know, maybe maybe check your facts. My facts are <laughs> silly looking. <laughs> It is silly looking. The thing too, silly looking. Uh, a lot of people forget, or just you know, they don't. They're like, "What the fuck is Beetleborg?" So it was like a Power Rangers spinoff. So Saban was like, "Hey, Power Rangers is taking off. It's such a big success for us. What else? What other Super Sentai, you know, Tokusatsu footage can we buy from Japan and make another show out of?" There was another show that ran at the same time as Super Sentai called B Fighters. Okay, uh, it was a spinoff of another show called Metal Fighters. And this season was like Metal Fighters was usually about cops that transformed and stuff, but this season was about cops that transformed in an academy that they went to, and the best students became the B Fighters, and they were like Power Rangers but more metal looking, and they were themed on bugs, so like beetles. Obviously, that's where it comes from. And when they right, brought it to America, right. they were like, well, Power Rangers is kind of starting to skew more towards, like, 12-year-olds, like, a little bit older kids. So it's still dramatic and silly, but the action is a little bit zanier, or a little bit crazier, I mean. So they're like, let's go mm -hmm. a little bit more zany and aim it towards little kids. So they added a comic book element. They added kids to transform, because that, that brought the kid numbers up when they added kids to Power Rangers. So all three of the Beetleborgs were kids. They gave them super... They basically like gave them anything that, that was doing well on TV. So it was like filmed in the same spot as Erie, Indiana, if you remember that show, which no one does. Uh, <laughs> only because I'm friends with you do I remember that show. <laughs> right? It was like filmed in like the same area. Like all this, all the stuff was was filmed in California. So they film in front of this like haunted house. They their their Zordon, the person who gives them powers, is named Flabber, and he's a ghost, uh, uh or phantasm basically that just imitates Elvis for no reason, and <laughs> he grants them a wish because he's also kind of a genie. <laughs> it makes no okay, sense. Okay, so and their is wish... he like Shaq from Shazam? Kinda. Or Kabam. What is it? Kazam. 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 Yes. Yeah. Uh, but with no charisma. And <laughs> he gives them powers uh, of the their favorite comic book heroes, but that also brings the bad guys to life. And their favorite comic book heroes are the, the Beetleborgs. So they have their Beetle Bonders, which is their morpher thing. Um, but it's all wacky. Like, they fight off, like, for a third of the episode, they fight off the monsters that live inside of the haunted house who are also kind of their friends and all slapstick. It's basically like the Three Stooges. If the Three Stooges were a mummy, a vampire, and Frankenstein's monster. Yes. <laughs> and then once they beat them, then they fight off the bad guys from the comic book, which are the real bad guys of the show. Uh but <laughs> it's just stupid. And, like, every time they punch, that pops up, like, like Superman, like, kablam! <laughs> Pow! Uh, because they're supposed to, their powers are supposed to come from a comic book. Anyways, <laughs> that's not what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> Quick segue. So Listen. if you like comic books, <laughs> what were you gonna say? I just was gonna say it kind that. of relates, but 
I, th- my point is, is I'm not pretentious to the point where I think you're dumb or something if you like Twilight or if you like High School Musical. It just didn't connect to me. And my first guttural reaction is like, oh, that's silly. Like, not for me. That's dumb. And then I watch it and I'm like, well, this is nowhere. <laughs> this is, like, honestly, better production value than most seasons of Power Rangers. <laughs> um, okay. And even though I don't think it's a well-written book, people love Twilight and has shaped most of YA fiction ever since. So you can't really dog on it for its ubiquity. So as a as an aside, I just turned twenty eight and the day that I turned twenty eight, I downloaded TikTok. Yeah, I made it through twenty seven. So <laughs> uh, I downloaded TikTok and some of the funniest ones that I see are ones where they make fun of the YA genre. Yeah, they're the best. It's like they're... every dystopian novel ever. They are so spot on and hilarious. I laugh for hours. Yeah, so, they're, they're some of my the, favorite those things. people creating that specific content. That and the sea shanties is really the only reason I got it. <laughs> and I have not been disappointed by either. Do so you follow the, the obscure Lord of the Rings facts people? I follow the guy that dresses up like Gandalf. <laughs> Her. Uh, I love I love that <laughs> guy. But for Markwood. But you should follow a couple of the other people who just dive deep into the lore of Lord of the Rings because that while I think there has been better fiction since because Lord of the Rings was the awesome godfather who paved the way, that world is super deep. And there is a reason for every twig and berry, even though I don't want to hear about it for 45 fucking pages. Uh, it is interesting to hear other people talk about it. And there's whole, like, there's professors that teach it now. And uh, they're all on TikTok, so go check it out. I will. Um, Terry, I'm going to have to pause for just one How second. How dare you? I'm sorry, just one second. Okay. And now is the time where I can insert my agenda. So, you need, for homework, you should go watch Beetleborg Seasons 1 into if it is technically a second season because those shows on fox kids used to just run for 50 episodes no break in between they would just go right into this the next season and in the second season i think it was called beetleborgs metallics so if you want to watch them transform from blue red and green beetleborgs they turn into gold silver and purple beetleborgs so yeah there you go so we were about anyway. to segue off my extremely on-topic rant about Beetleborgs and how it is a cinematic masterpiece. Yes, into and then a, we went from there to TikTok. Right, an actual comic book, not just a show about a fake comic book, an actual comic book. Some would say the best comic book. It was originally labeled the best superhero comic book in the universe and eventually just self-labeled, admittedly, just the best comic book in the universe. <laughs> and honestly, I have to agree. It's probably my favorite comic book of all time and just one of my favorite stories of all time, and that is Invincible. Um, written by Robert Kirkman for, I believe, every single issue. I, yeah, I, he might have had some issue. guests like show up for other characters because it's crossed over with you know Spawn and Savage Dragon. So Eric Larson or or somebody else might have shown up to write their character or something. But it's been mostly him, created by him and Corey Walker, illustrated by Corey Walker for a long, long time, and then a long, long more time by Ryan Otley, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I think that, that Corey only does the first. Is it just the first couple of arcs? It's just the first, like, seven or eight, I want to say, and then it's Otley after that. Really? It was that long since, since, and then Corey comes back towards the end there. Yeah, yep, but like, 
I'm pretty sure it's just the first few. <laughs> well, okay. So we are eventually going to spoil it, but we're going to go into some general stuff before we get towards the end. So if you don't know, Invincible, created by Robert Kirkman. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he owns Skybound Comics. He's a partner at Image. He created several other comic properties. You might have heard of Battle Pope, which was his first big one. Also, you may have heard his really, like, it's small indie title, zombie drama, post-apocalyptic story called The Walking Dead <laughs> that has run for, like, 30 seasons on <laughs> yeah, AMC. Perhaps you, have, perhaps you have heard of it. Perhaps you live <laughs> under a rock. I don't know. <laughs> Several spinoffs. Like, when, it's pretty famous. When that show got announced, I was like, I feel like I've read this comic book before. It's a show. Maybe I haven't heard of it. And it just took off, and it was so huge. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the Invincible guy. <laughs> like, no, he is the Walking Dead guy. <laughs> he also happened to have a superhero comic book named Invincible. And uh, I'm not I, a big fan of Walking Dead, but Invincible's my bag. Uh, so I'm also not a fan of Walking Dead. I think I only watched the first three or four seasons whenever they get to the prison, mm -hmm. I think. And after that, I was like, it's a no for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no for me, dog. It, just, it, it follows the comics pretty okay until that point and then it just kind of wildly diverges in some areas and a lot so, of things do that but i think the comic book is vastly superior to the show oh and, yeah the comic book is definitely better and right? not at any fault of the actors i think the actors all do a really good job and honestly the writing for walking dead from what i understand is top notch like it's a pretty good show it just didn't interest me as much i like the straightforwardness of the comic book and it's honestly it's a little bit wackier too like i feel like some of the things like uh like ezekiel and his tiger that whole thing works in the comic mm -hmm. book whereas when i watch on the show well that actor's awesome I'm like i it looks a little silly that there's just a dude with a tiger here <laughs> like i don't know how i feel about yeah this it person. just doesn't fit as well exactly exactly it's a little bit crazier but all that being said before he did walking dead he did invincible and this was at a time in image comics where they were like hey you know, we started with superheroes because everybody who started Image Comics, if you don't know, they all left Marvel and DC to form their own company because mostly Marvel wasn't giving them their due. So they went off and they made their own superheroes. And from there, they became a publisher, one of the best publishers where like they let you own all of your own rights so you didn't have to worry about not being paid when your character gets used for something. So it was this like weird bastion in the comic book world. And then eventually they fell away from that. They started publishing all sorts of other comics, including things like Why the Last Man, which is one of my favorite comic books of all time, and a lot of other weird things that weren't superhero-related. Then they were like, shit, we don't have anything superhero-related, and that's where we came from. What if we did something else? And they went to Robert, and they were like, hey... What about superheroes? He's like, I got one. It's this science dog, okay? Like, it's a dog who can fly with a jetpack, and they're like, pass. Like, we don't, <laughs> like, hard we don't want science state. dog. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. He's like, I, like an Irish terrier. He's got like the jowls, and he can fly. And they're like, no, that sounds stupid. We all saw Crypto the Super Dog show. We get it, play. <laughs> so then his next idea was tech jacket which is basically people call it a ripoff and it's not it's just inspired by the same idea it's very similar to blue beetle the newer one uh -huh. jaime, jaime reyes where like mm -hmm. you know it's a it's a thing from space attaches to a kid now he has superpowers basically but way way darker in that universe and way crazier again similar to what they eventually did with jaime reyes um they kind of aped some of the ideas that that kirkman put in there 
for when they brought him up again in Young Justice. Yeah, after they had like been sort of annoyed that <laughs> right, it was like, well, we came up with it first, so let's just steal his better ideas. So they, fuck, uh, steal again. <laughs> happens a lot, actually. Um, and it happens to Robert a lot too. Kirkman's stuff that he did at Marvel, like he wrote Spider-Man for a little while before he jump shipped. And, uh, a lot of his stuff comes up again because he's a really good writer. And they're like, these are much better superhero tropes and what you do with them subverts everything that we try to do. His ability to tell, I think a complete story is what makes the stuff that he writes so good every single character in his work is just compelling and i think that's what's so that's special what about invincible right. like like you said like so every arc kind of has a start and finish with you know the dangling threads because it's a superhero comic we gotta you know set up the next arc but he wraps up all these individual storylines and the background characters are honestly not i wouldn't even say better because the main characters are amazing but the background characters mm-hmm. are so compelling it's like watching a uh, Tarantino movie where it's like oh I want to hear about that one guy that we saw for half a scene and unlike a right, Tarantino like, movie what's his story exactly well they don't get sequels other than Kill Bill like you get three more arcs where you'll see that character in the background doing stuff and having growth and you know actually being a real person in this world and that's why I loved Invincible I thought it was for just being one title with a few spinoffs there's a few spinoffs in that world I think it's one of the best comic books ever because it really utilizes the format in a way that just told an amazing story for so long there's 144 issues right yeah i think that for me it's that also it when it was time for it to be over when it was time for it to be ended even though he probably could have kept going like the hype was still there the story was done and so the comic was done like they weren't trying i mean they did do some spinoffs with some of the characters that are are more side characters that you grow to love that were almost needed to flesh out the character even more than you already had because you were genuinely intrigued but it didn't feel like such a money grab kind of thing no it seemed like he just wanted to write those characters which was kind of interesting and he did it way before then it wasn't like joey at the end of friends where it's like let's give joey (laughs) two seasons and people are like no Disney live actions. There's like, well, we don't have any new creative ideas coming in, so let's just redo this thing. I guess like, let's get real g- people. Yeah, and you know <laughs> what? That did okay. Let's let's do another one. Like, oh, Beauty and the Beast two. Nah, let's just do Gaston. You know that character that everyone hates on purpose because he sucks in Beauty and the Beast. Let's give him a it's movie. He's supposed to suck purposely. <laughs> the only person that sucks more than Gaston in Beauty and the Beast is Beast. You know his name is Prince Adam. Uh, I know that his name is Beast. <laughs> he okay, growls. Well, anyway. <laughs> anyway. He kidnaps a woman and we cheer when they kiss, okay? There's problematic. I mean, you're, I'm not saying that you're wrong. <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination, I would agree that he's problematic. But something that we can all agree that is problematic is Frodo. The most problematic <laughs> of all of the Hobbits. <laughs> Hands down. It's, Frodo... I mean, it might be kind of close between him and Pippin, but it's definitely him. Frodo does not lock a woman in the tower until she agrees to love him. No, but he almost ruins the fate of the entire world by being selfish and making Sam cry. Yeah, but I feel like because Sam is probably the best character in all of, like, <laughs> fantasy, like, he's just, like, Damn. the best. He's just the best guy. Like, can you have a better friend, friend than Samwise Gamgee? I don't think friend. so. You know what? <laughs> They're not gay. It's over and over being like enumerated <laughs> by people in the movie, and I'm like, 
I don't know, man. It looks like he loves him a whole lot. Maybe perhaps in a romantical sense. And they're like, no, no, just really good friends. I'm like, I guess. But, like, there wouldn't be anything wrong. And a lot of fan fiction has come out about, like, it's not just me feeling that way, watching the film. You well, know he has, I mean? like, 13 kids, which seems like compensating for sure. Um. Well, then, you know, then, like, he leaves because he follows his master at the end. So that was really, for me, like, still loved him the whole time. Chase, you know, wanted to have experienced the same end kind of thing. I agree. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, if they're not together, which they should have been, or if there weren't extra feelings, they're still really good friends. Because whether or not it, there was subtext there, they're still just friends, obviously. Because right, they yeah. didn't let him hook up. Canonically or whatever. Yeah. But my point is he's a good guy. But back to Invincible. <laughs> Sorry. So before we segue into spoilers, so there's the, the background on like the creators and why we love it. To tell you what it actually is, which is probably where we should have started, Invincible it like the idea behind it is if Superman basically had a kid who was was as witty as Spider-Man. So you have this teenage superhero who goes through the trials and tribulations of of teenage life while also trying to be a teen superhero, right? That's the idea behind it. Superman's kid, he's now he's invincible. That's the whole idea. However, the real idea behind it is Robert Kirkman, who loves superhero comics and saw that they did the same thing over and over again, decided, what if I subverted every single trope and wrote the best thing I could um, instead of having to worry about sales or worry about what what's going to happen next and handing it off to another writer after two arcs and they're going to completely forget what I did before. What if I wrote this amazing comic book and just kept doing it myself and kept it going and building out the world. So even though you have things like Spawn or Savage Dragon, who do have other superheroes in their world and did eventually hand off to other writers, but like kept the core conceit, he built out his own Marvel universe basically in Invincible and wrote all these other amazing characters instead of just focusing on Mark, which is his name, Mark Grayson. He built yes. an entire universe basically to the point where it encompassed like all of the other image comics. So even though they were supposed to take place in what they called like the Savage Dragon universe originally, uh, it became the Invincible universe. Correct. So that's my rant on what <laughs> Invincible is. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I just think that it um as it works well as a superhero. Um, I feel like it works really well as a coming of age story also, like, which I guess is more Spider-Man than Superman for me. For sure. <laughs> you, for you, sure. You know what I mean? But I think it does it in a way that, I mean, he starts out young, right? High school, like super young. And you see him go through so many different things that we won't talk about until we get to the spoiler section. But also I, I think he gets like his powers things. when he's 17, right? Yeah. But like, he also, you know, gets girlfriends more than one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like deals yeah. with like just regular kid type stuff you know, with just unbelievable powers in a way that is super, super, like, it makes sense to me the way that it's done. Whereas, like, sometimes when you watch Smallville, like the, sh like the show, the live action show or whatever, you're like, listen, this isn't, this is supposed to be like a regular person problem, but it doesn't seem like a regular person problem. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe it as much. Yeah, the melodrama really works on Invincible because it doesn't pretend like it's not a superhero show. So, like, when you watch Arrow, 
a lot of the issue comes from, oh, I was trying to keep it secret to protect you. When somebody says that in Invincible, they get punched. They're like, well, that's a stupid idea. And the character goes, oh, yeah, you're right. That was kind of stupid. You know? That's a dumb reason for me to for, for me to try to keep it a secret. You're right. Like, the, like... The, the times where he does reveal his identity, it, it comes from, like, okay, we're far enough in this relationship, friendship, you know, dating, whatever it is. It's like, okay, I have to tell you something. You have to keep it a secret. But it would just be unfair because it doesn't protect you if you don't know that I am a super superhero it yeah. protects my identity that's why i keep it secret but honestly you're gonna be fucked either way so i might as well tell you so you're at least prepared that's the whole thing is either way by association mm-hmm. they're gonna be fucked so and that that's it does that with everything that encompasses superheroes which i thought was really interesting like the whole violence thing like you think batman okay so i don't kill because i'm better than the criminals that's the line i won't cross but i'm so violent exactly and so like joker breaks out again and again and kills more people in the invincible universe that's the thing that the superheroes talk about it's like oh we don't kill people and then they're like yeah except for when we do because sometimes you gotta kill that (laughs) motherfucker because sometimes you gotta (laughs) and like the first the first issue there's a really amazing line because it does become a bigger issue later on where it's like well we can't just kill every bad guy like you can't just punch the guy who mugged that lady in the chest until he explodes because we do have to seem somewhat better but in the first issue exactly exactly in the first issue there's a guy who's about to explode wearing basically like vulture like wings i think he's like called biplane or something like that and they're having a hard time fighting him and then uh one of the best characters of all time uh the (laughs) now i'm blanking on what his actual name is the the guy who lives forever, the immortal, I think is what he's called, right? Yeah, the immortal. Yep. Yeah. With the sideburns. And when we get into spoilers, I'll explain why he's the best character of all time. I don't want to there uh, right now. But he throws him into space and he's like, when in doubt, kid, just throw him into space. Like, there's nothing that they can do. <laughs> and they do that. And, like, he murders this guy. And, you know, 144 issues later, spoilers, he's still up there floating around the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yo when in doubt but like it's just, like they do co- they comment on it and because it's, it's not just a parody it's not just poking fun it's not a send-up it's not like you know space balls it's it's it doesn't not feel like uh deadpool where it's just yes. breaking the wall to break the wall where it's just doing it to be like outrageous like there are it works in the way that it's done yes and it makes a way more realistic superhero world and the stakes because they're so high in it like when a like so for instance you read a Marvel comic, Doctor Doom is still the dictator of Latvia, and it's never changed or anything. But in real life, if there was a supervillain who took over a country, like, there are consequences. Like, you think of North Korea when we were framing them as the villain before we got our own villain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, okay, this is this is a serious issue. We need to focus on it. It doesn't just go away, right? Like, Kim Jong-un doesn't yes. just disappear. The next episode, he's not just not there anymore. Because now like, there's a now there's a teacher at your high school who wants to kill you, Spider Man. You're like Doctor Doom still exists. We should we should Spider-Man. we should still be worried about Doctor Doom. <laughs> like Invincible um, makes use of that when there are governments that are overthrown or when like you start to get to the bigger bad guys and stuff. It's a it's an issue that takes over the entire world, and then there are ramifications from that issue when aliens show up. People aren't just like, oh, yeah, there are aliens every three days, and there are different wars happening in space. People are like, oh, fuck. 
okay, so there are aliens, and now I'm losing my house. Exactly, I have to go to work still. <laughs> yeah, and like they they talk about it, and it affects the government, and it comes up in these storylines, and that's why it works so well. So if you haven't read it, or you're getting ready to watch the show, which is coming out on Amazon with an amazing cast list, um, made by Seth Rogen and a bunch of other people, but you have. Uh, what are some of the names that are on there, Chels, for the casting? Do you have that up? So they have Sandra O oh as uh, Mark's mom, Debbie. Uh, J.K. Simmons as Omni Man, which is going to be fucking incredible. I know, uh, Jillian so Jacobs is in it as Adam Eve. Oh. Uh, my Whitman is in it. Yeah, there's just a ton. But also, who's you know, playing Mark? Like some left. It's Steven Yoon, who yes, I'm, yes. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing. I, I think so. He, amazing actor, like so good. But also, Robert Kirkman alum, he was on Walking Dead. Yeah, I was going to say, he was on Walking Dead for like six years. Yeah, but he's he's so oh, good. Like, he just did... He just did just a new movie by a Korean director, I believe, and uh, they kept calling it a foreign language film, but like it's an American film. They just speak Korean in the movie, and it was like a whole controversy. And I'm like, that's not what foreign language oh, I means. That because it wasn't, they were trying to nominate it for best picture, I believe, is what people yeah, wanted but, it to be, yeah. and then they put it in the foreign language category. I'm like, that I don't think yeah, that's how foreign works. Controversy is that uh, Inglorious Bastards had less English in it than it did, and it was nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's that was my point. Because like you watch the trailer, I'm like, it's in English. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like they speak Korean at parts in it, but anyways. Yep. <laughs> also, Mahershala Ali, Ezra Miller, and John Hamm. Oh my god! See, like that's it's just like good. that. Like look at that list. Tell me that's not like the best like cast list ever. It's going to be... J.K. Simmons as Omni-Man is inspired. The only way I think it could have been perfect... So if you don't know, again, if you're new to Invincible, Omni-Man is like Superman if he had a big-ass mustache. So my my fan casting back in the day was always Tom Selleck. Okay. So That's I was not like, bad. Yeah, but no, Tom <laughs> Selleck's like 140. So like <laughs> Magnum <laughs> P.I. can't really play a superhero. Whereas in J.K. Simmons, who has always been ripped, got super ripped for Batman vs. Superman and was in like half a scene... Um, he's getting a little bit older now, but he could still definitely play the voice, obviously. Pictures of Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> whenever, so, I work in IT, and whenever somebody sends, like, hey, did you get this, or I need that, um, and I have to reply, or I have to send out a deliverable, like, I need something from my team, I always say, I need them. I need pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> Do they ever send you pictures of Spider-Man? No one ever under even understands what I'm talking about. <laughs> I work with people who are like they have never like read a Spider-Man comic, never like watched a Spider-Man movie. It's depressing. Don't move into corporate America. Okay, well, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's different. You're going to be on the law side. Most lawyers are at least semi-interested, interesting because they're educated. Uh, well, interesting is one way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're gonna go into full spoilers again if you haven't read it if you haven't watched it yet we're gonna talk full spoilers you should go read it 144 issue sounds like a long like time however it's one comic book you can read it from start to finish you don't have to read all the other spinoffs there's not that many spinoffs there's only one crossover that really matters when it comes to other books and it all happens in invincible he does meet batman and spider-man at one point you don't have to read batman or spider-man to understand the story (laughs) That's true. You can buy it's only three compendiums. Exactly. Very reasonably priced. Yeah, if you buy the library editions, I think you can pick up the entire thing for like 70 bucks. Yeah. 
Um, great but, investment, uh, great gift. Yeah, you can also get a lot of the issues for free on Comixology, and you can buy the entire run on Comixology for less than, I think, less than a hundred dollars. Nice. But anyways, go to. I, I own the compendiums, so I don't. Like, Do you own all of them? There's only three. There's only the three big compendiums. I the three need, massive. I'm, I might need you to uh, lend those to me at some point because I've been wanting to reread them. And I have them digitally, yeah. which is fine. I like reading digital, but... So, I read it all originally. I have, like, single issues. Because I have, like, a... Like, I have a number one. I have, like, a bunch of different, um, like, issues saved, like, with the comics that I we collect, Kyle mm-hmm. and I. But he had never read it. And so I bought the compendium so that he could read it. <laughs> it's so good. And he read it all very quickly. And he said, this is incredible. And I said, yes, it is. <laughs> so I, uh, like, I used to be a comic book collector. Like, that used to be my thing. I used to buy, you know, buy wholesale, like, we're talking, like, someone's storage unit that's had comic books for, like, 30 years. You, like, you give them a grand and uh, you sell all, you know. I used to do that. You were I, that guy. I was that <laughs> guy. And, but the, none of them were worth any money. I just liked having comic books, and a lot of them were from the 90s because the big, like, bubble. So a lot of my comic, comic books are devalued. The only ones that have really gained any value are some of my first appearances. I have a lot of stuff from, like, Nightwing because I'm a big fan of Nightwing. So I have some of those Same. that have gained money. The only other one that's worth any money is I have a couple of the early issues from Invincible signed first print. Nice. And because Invincible's so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kyle was like, for Valentine's Day a couple of years ago, he was like, what do you want? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, well, I found a bid on eBay for Invincible number one, and I know that you don't have it. And I said, what? And he said, <laughs> yeah, like a first printing, like they have it. And he said, so should we just get that for our anniversary? Because our anniversary is also in February and Valentine's Day. And I said, yes. And then we were at work together watching the eBay bid. <laughs> and he was like, how much money is too much? And I was like, you're not there yet. <laughs> It was very funny. Uh, but we got it anyway. So. Is it signed? I don't remember if that one's signed. I have some that are signed. I know um, you do. Yeah, that's why I was curious. Is it first print? But I don't print? know. I don't. It is first print. Yeah, it's definitely Damn. first print. It's in very, very good condition. Um, that's, is it? Do you have it graded? So he wants to send it to get graded, but then we had moved and we haven't found any place down it's, here. That we it's don't... expensive. Like I mean, so yeah. it's not expensive to actually just have it graded. It's like 80 bucks. It's not that bad. We have to, to send get it, it, find somebody to send it. And exactly, then, and then you know, you, so you pay for it to be graded. Yes, and yeah. then you then you have to get it encased so it stays yep. the grade that they marked it. And then it turns yep. out it's like okay, unless you have a comic book that is either a very special to you or b very very expensive, like worth a lot a lot of money, it's really not worth it. It's cool to right. just have it. Like that invincible I have. I think the one that I have that's actually signed is number three. Like, mm-hmm. that one's great. That's the only one I have graded because that's the only one that's worth any money. I have a couple of signed uh, Spider-Man and Superior Spider-Man by Dan Slott. I have that signed and graded. But I have that mm-hmm. up on my wall. Like, that's like a piece of art in my house. Otherwise, right. So, like, like if we, if we got the first couple Invincibles, because, I mean, we have, like, one through 20-something, all first prints. Um, And so, like, we would probably get the first three or four done. And he has some other stuff. He has, like... uh uh some old avenger stuff some old iron man's just stuff that he's like picked up for a couple hundred bucks here and there kind of thing that he just likes so 
we would probably display it though somewhere. We'd probably like put it in a case or hang it on the wall or whatever. Yeah, comic book collecting is never good. Like, it's not going to send your kids to college. That's not a thing that's going to no, happen. No, it's just anymore. because we like those specific issues. Exactly. And like, even though it is printed on much better paper nowadays, when it comes to like the actual floppy copies, they, they deteriorate still pretty heavily. Like, so unless fast, you have them bagged, yeah. and, bagged and bordered, like, it, it's <laughs> they're going to fall Which apart, we, basically. One year for Christmas, that's what he wanted was bags and borders. So my mom bought him. <laughs> <laughs> super nice grade bags and the backings and whatever once like every three years emily sees like a a, a credit card charge because i bought a hundred boards and a hundred bags <laughs> just like keep yep. doing it because i still have i still have a storage unit worth of comic books that i need to just get rid of like uh, right. i remember um dave if you if you know uh one of the hosts of aiming for mediocrity on the on the network um he really liked a run of spider girl it's one of my favorite runs too it's this weird alternate future in marvel where spider-man is no longer spider-man he's got a goatee he's one of the head Ew. he's one of the head writers at the bugle but his daughter becomes like the superhero and spider girl and um he was like man i just need spider girl number three first print to finish out this run i have but like no one has it it was not a popular comic book and i was like i have two take your pick <laughs> and he was like why right. do you he was like why do you have this i was like i don't know <laughs> so i love um Teen Titans. I love Nightwing. Like Dick Grayson is probably my favorite superhero of all time. Hell yeah. Him him as the person. Like not even him <laughs> as Robin or him as Nightwing. I just or him as his run as Batman. I think that he's just fantastic. I mean, have um, you read his Grayson run? It's it's wonderful. Yeah, with the Spectre or is it Spe not Spectre? Spiral. Spectre? Where he's Spiral, thank you. I was like, it's not Spectre, that's James Bond. <laughs> I mean, but it's basically the same thing. It's the same thing. But yes, I have. Um Anyway, so Kyle was like, yeah, he, for my birthday a couple years ago, had bought me a bunch of, like, original first print, like, Teen Titans stuff. Not, like, anything that's worth a ton of money. You know, 70 bucks Did or Did you buy me some back then, too? I feel like you sent me some when that was happening. Yeah. He always thinks of you. He's always like, I wish someday I want to have enough money that it doesn't matter and I can buy Terry a number one Amazing Spider-Man. And I said, okay. And well. he's so <laughs> awkward. Like, he'll, he'll call me and be like, hey, man, do you want this? And I'm like, uh... Are you giving it away? So he's like, no, I thought I'd buy it for you. I'm like, I don't think that you need to do that. <laughs> like, he... I will still be your friend if you don't buy me this random gift. <laughs> he knows. He just likes to. I know. He's, he's so sweet. So and he makes so much more sometimes. money than us. So it's fine. But like, yeah. it's like a Thursday afternoon. He's like, hey, I bought this thing for you. And I'm like, hi, are you going <laughs> to murder me? Am I about to die? First, he does the codename introduction, and then, <laughs> and I bought this thing for you. It's really awkward when I'm with other people because it's like, hey, Dragon. I'm like, hey, Nighthawk. And they're like, who are you talking to? I'm like, you don't have any cool friends for your, like, cool names for your friends? They're like, no. <laughs> this friend is named like, Jeff, and this friend's name is Dave. That's what I call them. I'm like, boring. Stupid. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways so those are like yes, we sorry. are into comic books if you didn't know this is our cred so let's get into spoiling some stuff about invincible so that's okay. kind of our touchstone for it like we like it's one of the few comic books that we obviously collect i discovered it way later in life it came out when we were in like fourth grade i believe um right around yeah. there so that we obviously weren't reading the super violent superhero comic in fourth grade i found it my senior year of high school um uh, I had heard about it. I was reading another book that Kirkman was involved in for Image called Haunt. Really cool book about this, like, X. It's kind of like Spawn with a little bit more of a superhero bent to it. Um, where, like, this, uh -huh. this super soldier basically dies and comes back and he gets this suit. And it's about, like, 
this like specter power that comes into him. I can't really get into it. I've only read a few issues. I don't really remember. But I picked it up from the comic book store, and they're like, hey, if you like that, you'd really like this other book. Same thing. Superheroes, but from another world. And at that point, I was engulfed. I was reading everything that was Marvel and DC. And I was like, yeah, I'll check right. out this book. Like, I don't know. I bought one, right? Like Invincible. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> immediately read a hundred some issues that were out at the time in one weekend you said need this <laughs> yes i like it, it's far into my mind that was also the first time i heard of comicsology i had never heard about really okay even reading comic books digitally let alone buying them digitally that was a thing mm-hmm. that i just did not understand and you couldn't buy them in the app at the time you had to like go out to another browser buy them there and then log into the app and i didn't even have a phone that could really do apps so it was like reading them on a computer screen it was so strange but worth it so it was just awful so the only reason that i have read it was because you recommended it (laughs) and then (laughs) i subsequently started buying it i would wait though till not issue to issue but i would buy like the volumes i would buy some issues but then i would try to wait and buy it like when there was like five or six issues yeah like a thing because it was like i had to drive a distance to get it (laughs) you know so i was like oh this will be like I started Here. buying them issue to issue right around like 118, I believe, um, mm-hmm. because that was when I was around a comic book store. I had moved from our tiny little backwoods town. I was able to go yes. to comic book stores and buy them. I had a disposable income at that point. And also, it had taken a few hiatuses. There was a few breaks. Not a lot, but there were a few because Kirkman was huge, you know, doing stuff with mm-hmm. Walking Dead. And, and Ryan Otley also was getting huge, which is crazy that he mostly just drew Invincible for most of his career. So like, now he does Spider-Man, though, and I have the first five issues that he drew for Spider-Man. It's so good. Like, number one, that story is just awesome. But then it went it's into so a good. space arc, and I'm like, this is just Invincible. I'm just reading Invincible because his – no offense to Ryan Otley. He can draw people that don't look like that. But he draws Spider-Man. Like, Peter Parker looks like Mark Grayson. Looks like Mark Grayson. And yeah. Mary Jane looks I mean, like Adam Eve. Yeah. And that's just his – I like his drawing style, which mm-hmm. is why I bought the first five or whatever. Well, I was, like, just in a – Kyle was like, let's stop in this comic book store. I said, okay. So we go in there and I see Ryan Otley's name on it. And I was like, what? It was like issue number four. <laughs> oh, you didn't know? Like, you didn't know that he had moved over to Spider-Man? So I had. I had seen it initially when it was announced. Totally slipped my mind. Did not think about it again after that. That's so good. And then was just browsing and I saw that. And I said, do you have the first three of these <laughs> as well as this one? And he was like, uh, sure. <laughs> it's a really interesting run. And some people have some issues with it. But the art is, is immaculate. And it, again, it just brings me back. It makes me miss Invincible. But it also is just the nostalgia I needed. Because uh, I think part of the reason why they picked him is there's a lot of alien stuff happening in New York at the time in this arc mm-hmm. of Spider-Man. So it's him drawing aliens a lot, which is a big thing in Invincible. And funny enough, though, he took a couple of issues off to do something else. They had a guest artist on, and it got super duper violent. Like, we're talking, like, murder happening left and right. And I'm like, how is uh-huh. this the issue you don't have Ryan Otley drawing? When you think of right. the, the, like, two-page spreads, like, back-to-back in Invincible of just heads exploding and, you know, and just, like, blood drenching the Superman, you know? Like, that is Invincible. Yeah. How is that not the yep. issue that he's writing for or drawing for Spider-Man? It was amazing yep. to me. Still looked really good. It's still a really fun arc, but but well, Ryan Otley's art is probably. I mean, obviously it's a comic book. It's fifty-fifty. But Ryan Otley's art, I don't. I can't imagine somebody else drawing Invincible. Basically, even Corey That's Walker, why, who did a piece. I of was it. gonna say, even Corey Walker. Like, if I look at the first couple issues as opposed to what's at the end, I like Ryan Otley's stuff so much better for, for sure. the story that they're trying to like tell or whatever you know what i mean 
his his blood is simultaneously so weird looking but also the only way i can see blood in comic books because it's like it's like so thick it's like he draws like uh argento's like like blood syrup that they would put in the crappy like murder movies like that's mm-hmm. like the version of blood he draws in his comic books. It's like super thick, and it just covers pages. Like there are parts of that comic book where it's just blood. I'm like, am I reading a superhero comic Drink. book? It, no, nope. like I can't tell. I just see a dude gritting his teeth and just blood everywhere. It's like Dragon Ball Z if there was blood. <laughs> yeah, if it was allowed. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. Um, but so we talked about spoilers. So one of the big things that sold me on it initially was the first twist. I was in already before the twist happens, but. So you told me, you said, read this. And so I read it and I said, this is good. And then you said, you have to read until issue six or seven or whatever it is. I think it's, yeah, six or seven. And I said, okay. And you said, if you don't like it after that, then I don't know if we can be friends. And I said, <laughs> okay. You know, so I was like already going to read it, but it was just, it just seemed very normal to me. Like <laughs> up until that first. Because th- here's the I- thing though, when you first read Invincible and I've had, I've recommended it to lots of people over the years and people who haven't made it to that twist or aren't into superhero comic books, it, they're kind of bored in the first few issues because it is so straightforward. He's, he's a kid. He gets superpowers. Okay. His dad's Superman basically. Okay. That's not that interesting. That's basically just Superboy. Sure, mm-hmm. it is, and then his his dad gets taken through like a portal. Basically, he gets kidnapped mm-hmm. into that like temporal zone from those other aliens, and then he has to kind of step up. That's the most interesting it gets before the twist. That's it, and that's yeah, not that interesting. Much. Yeah, and no. <laughs> and so a funny story about that is Image was like, "Hey man, we bought this on the twist." You need to put the twist in there. He's like, oh, I'm getting there. I just wanted people to care about the characters at first, you know. You and you're like, no. They're like, dude, listen, this is the your your story gets really good at the twist. You need to put it in now. He wasn't even going to do it to like issue, I think like eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you need to put it in as soon as possible, and that as soon as possible was issue six. Yes. And I'm like, 100%. okay, that's like something like as a comic book writer now, like I take that to heart. And I'm like, listen, if there's going to be something cool, I got to put it in earlier. Like, <laughs> unless like my story is so convincing and so good otherwise, which it was pretty good, but that mm-hmm. is when the story really starts taking place. So the twist is again, we're in spoilers now. So feel free to, to talk openly. The twist is that Omni, Ma- Om- <laughs> Digimon is in my head. <laughs> Omni-Man, th- that world superhero, Mark Grayson's dad is actually an invading alien so it's set up to be like it's superman right it's okay i came to this planet i'm gonna be its protector i'm from another planet and it's like no 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 that was kind of a lie is we're you know we're a race of conquering people we've taken over half the universe we also want to take over this planet and you're gonna help me and he's like well why would i do that he's like well i already killed the justice league so like, <laughs> so like you got guardians guardians of the globe guardians right? of the globe and, yeah but essentially justice league but essentially, minus superman and, because he's like he's superman exactly the genius of the guardians of the globe the reason why he picked what those powers is robert kirkman wanted you to feel attached to those characters without being that into them because they die in like the first issue you just don't know who's done it yet right or second issue yep. somewhere around there and, All of them except for Immortal and, and he Well, he, right? he tries to kill Immortal. He tries to kill Duplicate. Right. So Duplicate comes up from Teen Team. So basically it's like somebody moving up from the Teen Titans. And yes. Immortal, I like the Teen Team being in there too. I love the Teen, the teen Team so good. We'll get there. Um, but so <laughs> he tries to kill Duplicate, who is kind of like Multiple Man from the X-Men. But he doesn't kill mm-hmm. the original. So she's off somewhere else. He tries to kill Immortal, cuts its head off, and sends it around the world. Um, so he can't come back because that's the thing with Immortal 
is he can keep coming back. He kills the rest of them, so you have, like, someone who's basically supposed to be a mix between Green Lantern and the Spectre, and this green ghost thing who swallows a ring and throws it up Mm -hmm. when he doesn't want to use his powers, which is genius, and really gross. Mm -hmm. And then you have, like, a Martian who's supposed to be, like, Martian Manhunter, and you have Darkwing who's supposed to be, like, Batman. And he set it up so you, like, okay, you carry it, you get it, these people are important to this world, and they're kind of like Batman and Martian Manhunter, etc., so forth. So, and when you kill him, like, okay, this is a serious story. And then you find out that it was Omni-Man who killed him. Okay, now yep. you're in a new superhero type story. But He's a villain. He's he, an invading alien supervillain. And they've done that before, too. Like, if you look at Mark, Mark Wade's Irredeemable or a couple other stories, like, is it Miracle Man or just called Miracle something whatever like that one i don't know yeah but but you've you've seen irredeemable the story's been done before where it's like okay we have an evil superman even dc's now done it now with injustice but Mm -hmm. where they take it is like his son having to fight him and refusing to go with him and then going to the government and seeing the trials and tribulations of that and not killing his dad like his dad doesn't die he leaves the planet yep cecil yep and he in all of it just comes back. Everything matters. Like, in that first arc, so you find out that Omni-Man's evil, but he was also in that other dimension for, like, half a half a month. But that yep. was actually, like, decades. Where he has to take take place. Mm-hmm. Where Mark has to step up and take the place of his dad. Yeah. Yeah, and but you find out that's actually was, like, decades, or actually it might be centuries to his dad. And that's when he decided when he comes back, it's time. Like, I can't, more of these things can't happen. We need to conquer while we can. And yep. so you so you find so you find out that that mattered. That's the thing that comes back, even though it's just like a throwaway. Oh, it happened for a second. His dad left, but it matters to the overarching story. And then Mark gets visited by some people from the future, and they're like, "Yeah, this happens." And the immortal is running the planet, and because you left, and that does not come up again until like issue like a hundred and twenty. Yeah, till the till. A bunch of other shit has happened in between. Almost a decade later in real time of reading these comics. Yep. But it comes up word for word and it actually does fulfill and it doesn't seem forced at all. Like, oh yeah, I wrote that no, one thing. It's it's it so natural. Earned. Yes. Like, yeah. like, like he was building exactly. towards it. And he probably was a little bit, but there was also some things where it was just like he wrote it in a certain way where it could easily fit back in so perfectly. And that's the stuff that I love. Uh, when they introduce um, the Tether Tyrant and the Magma Guy, I can't think of his name, as background characters, two villains that are just throwaway jokes. There's a dude with an alien strapped to his chest that like shoots out like a pink gummy thing, and he like talks to it like it's his wife. And like they get beat up a bunch, so they try to reform and leave like the gang. And the Magma Guy can't turn into fire, so he's just like bald all over the place because his hair always gets burned off (laughs) and they're living together as like an odd couple type situation just trying to make it and they become really good friends and figure out you know what maybe we don't need to be evil and then the magma guy gets killed as like an innocent bystander in one of mark's fights so then the tether tyrant you learn that his like alien thing that's on his chest was like asking him constantly hey let's merge and become fully like together but also more powerful and he gives up his own because his friend died he's like i don't care anymore let's combine and then he starts to take over the world he turns into this gigantic threat that was just a background story for like 30 issues it's just the little things like that that just keep coming back and and over and over again these huge twists that come out of nowhere and that they matter i i just I don't even know where to keep going. Like you wanted to talk about the teen team. Go ahead and go into that a little bit. 
So I love the Teen Titans because I love Dick Grayson, but also because I love the original animated. Um, what about Tim Drake, man? Looking. Tim Drake. Okay, listen. Tim Drake Connor. is the best Robin, and I will fight anyone who says that Tim Drake is not the best Robin. That was fight. my Teen I Titans. Have... You know, Wally, Tim. Well, not Wally. No, Impulse. and Wonder um, Girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But yeah. because I watch the show on Cartoon Network or whatever, isn't that what it aired on? I think originally. Yeah. Too? Yeah, Teen Titans? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so the anime then from there, I read a bunch of comics and stuff when I was younger, et cetera, et cetera. So I was a big fan of the idea of, like, maybe, like, kids more were my own age mm-hmm. and not fully developed um, and not so, like, omnipresent. Like, Superman is really not my thing because wrong, he's though. so good. Wrong. and so I, I know, I know. I, have, I get into this debate all the time. <laughs> but like he's just so all American, so good, so all powerful until the injustice arc, and then I really enjoy that, like him not being Boy Scout anymore. <laughs> um, but so to see the team team and then see like Mark interact with it initially, I was like, this is very familiar territory that I enjoy. And then lo and behold, they're a bunch of fucking assholes. <laughs> um, I I liked the team team. I thought it was cool. I think the genius of it was is the failure that comes with the teen team. Everybody in that group, it's like almost like uh, like child actors. Like yes. they, they were well, set then, up to, to be the next wave and they just are awful at it. Well, not only that, but all the guardians die and they become the new guardians and then <laughs> they are bad. They're, they're so bad. I think that was really interesting. So they set up Robot. He's the leader of the teen team. Like he's a, a sentient robot, which you learn is not true. Like he's actually just a kid in a bubble somewhere. Um, yep. who's controls also, like his robot bad guy. <laughs> the worst guy, but the genius of yeah. it was, is like, I knew a bunch of kids like that in high school that were way too smart to understand what to do with it. Like, like mm-hmm. genius level. And like, they were so socially awkward. And when they got the chance to step up to like, you know, like be president, that kind of thing, it was like, oh yeah, I didn't, I failed at it because I didn't know what to do with it. And then they found their bliss. And that was what happened with robot was like, he was given this chance to, they're going to have you build the new guards of the globe. And he utterly fails. Cause he picks the best people on paper and they were actually pretty bad and like not good at it but you get to see all these other characters for the first time like monster girl which i think is such an interesting monster take girl on, like, the, Hulk. Such a good... the concept of every time you use your powers you age mm-hmm. you down benjamin button style i loved yeah. and then i think doesn't robot figure out how to reverse he it reverses it with a, with a belt and they become a couple because he uses his technology to take the place of basically so it's like it's like if Wolverine was trapped in a bubble, or no, Beast is probably a better example. So it's like if Beast was like, hey, Cyclops, you're handsome. Everybody likes you. Can I use your DNA if you ever die and just look like you when you're dead? <laughs> and he goes, I guess. And he's like, perfect. Sure. And then he dies. And then Beast just now looks like Scott Summers. People are like, the fuck is going on? He's like, yeah, it's fine. And I'm also going to take his name. <laughs> And his whole identity. And that's what he does. And everybody calls him Rex, except for the people who knew him as Robot up until that point. And he romances Monster Girl, but then they go to that alternate dimension where Omni-Man was, and they're trapped there for a century, and they slowly take over after they lead a coup. But Monster Girl had (laughs) sex with somebody else and produced an heir because in her monster form, she has male genitalia, so she's able to reproduce. I'm like, oh my god, this is so fascinating. I'm so into this. This doesn't make any sense. Where the fuck is this in Spider-Man? But then Rexplode, who just touches things and they explode. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> that and that's as deep as his character gets, and he gets killed I by mean, the Lizard League. He sacrifices himself, doesn't he? For... Yeah, he does, and it's so a really he does it's like do a... something good at the end, but like. But he was he's set up to be the foil for Mark Grayson, you know, against Adam Eve, which makes sense. Like he's like, oh, I'm kind of cool, and I have this cool power, and they knew each other. But their relationship is super mature because at first it's antagonistic because she left him for Mark, and they all hate each other. But right. then he's like, well, let's let's be friends you know me the best and they become right. really close friends after that point which is something adults do yeah exactly it's just it's just such a good story and, and we could do this all day there's a million of these because it went for 144 issues uh yeah i i don't even know where to go to next there's so many twists that are so good but the one of my favorite pieces of storytelling is how they keep changing the Viltrumite story based on who's narrating it. So yep, when he's telling when he's telling Mark the story, when he first comes out as like, listen, I'm actually an alien and I'm a superhero. When he's a little boy, he tells him, he's like, you know, like I, we're, we're these protectors of the universe and we send our, our people out and I was sent to this planet where I met your mom and now I'm the protector and I'm your dad and one day you'll become the protector. And it's a super sweet Superman story. And then when you but find no. out he's a murderer, it's like, no, 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 we're actually these conquesting aliens and we've taken over the entire galaxy and it, it's up to me and you to conquer earth and then it does it again it's like no actually we're failing at conquering and we've actually yeah. not taken over almost anything anymore and this you're we're our last chance going extinct and we need you to come and lead us yeah. but i don't want to lead you well here's the thing here's the thing and then you don't have a lot of choices it's just so and they do that like four times and each time it's really it uh, reminds me of in spider-verse when they did that where it's like okay let's do yeah. this one more time here's my uh, my origin story Yep, exactly. And and it's just a really good piece of, of storytelling that doesn't happen that often. I think it's like once every like fifty issues that kind of comes up, and it's just a little piece. If you've read all of Invincible, you get it. And if you haven't, what are you doing? Like, why would you read issue seventy five? Yeah, stop listening <laughs> right. and go buy the compendium on Amazon. And there's there's also lots of little asides while these other characters have adventures that they do that seem like filler arcs, kind of, except for it just fills out the world, and there's no reason for them doing it. It's not filler. It's just another story they wanted to tell. So when you see an anime filler episode, it's usually in worse like art to either wait for the other team to catch up as they're drawing the next big fight scene, or it's waiting for the manga that it's based on to catch up. But in this, it's just like, hey, I want to tell this story about Bulletproof real quick. And when he tells the story about Bulletproof, you think it's just going to be a day in the life of this other superhero who's filling in for Mark. And what it turns into no. is this crazy, crazy, like, murder short story about how he's got to hide a body because he accidentally killed his in-laws. And I'm like, yep. what, what also is this? Also a bad guy. Like, I mean, not a bad guy, but also a bad guy. But also a bad guy. Everybody's kind of a bad guy. Mark is a full-on villain for an entire arc when he uh, teams up with, is it Dinosaurus? Is that his name? Are you talking about in space? Are you talking about on Earth? On Earth. The red T-Rex thing. Do you know what I'm talking not about? Chai... No, not Titan. No, 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 I no, no, no. Think... no. so it's this, it's like Dinosaurus. It's like this big T-Rex um, monster. Yep, Dinosaurus. That's his name. Oh, I see a picture of him now. Yes. Yeah, okay. so he's this villain and he's like setting off bombs around the world to lower the population. Pretty classic dr doom i'm actually right it's like thanos like you'll thank me if i kill all these people the planet will be better except mark starts doing the math and he's like oh you actually did save several other cities from like the ocean rising because you blew up this town that was producing this much smog so yeah. he like agrees to like basically help him be good it's kind of like when jessica jones teams up with the purple man in her show 
where he's like, well, if mm-hmm. I can help him be a good guy, it might be my responsibility to do so. And then right, like maybe ex- I can direct him or yes, exactly <laughs> control the destruction. So he turns into well. like basically a villain for an entire arc, and but then they accidentally level Las Vegas and turn it into a gigantic uh, solar panel to power the planet. Yep. And then snaps back to it. I don't remember. Is that an alternate version of him where he nope. is evil or is it just him? Because no, that, I know that they do have the alternate version of him. Yeah. That comes up at times one too. of his bad guys, Angstrom Levi, one of the first bad guys he fights, like, and he keeps coming back over time. And when he learns that he can recruit other invincibles from other dimensions, he just starts doing that instead. And that's yep. where the invincible war comes from, where he has to team up with he- Spawn and Savage Dragon and all the other image heroes. Yep to fight yep, alternate versions of him which are super duper strong yeah in a bad spot <laughs> but it's it's just lots of stuff like that it just keeps building building stuff from the first issue comes back in issue 100 in a way that doesn't feel hokey and it feels earned like when you find out that his dad's books that's how his dad makes his money in this universe like why omni-man can still be omni-man and have a family right. and stuff as he wrote these novels these really crappy pulp adventure novels about this guy in space then you find out they were real things that he found, and they were hints if he ever needed to kill another Viltrumite. Like, how he could do it. Because he was having doubts when Mark was, like, ten. Like, maybe I shouldn't destroy this planet. Maybe we Yeah, like, oh, together. maybe it could be fine. Yeah, so if they ever came for my kid and I do decide to change my mind. But then he writes it off and forgets about it. And I just thought that was a really good thing. And, like, he mentions his book, and he doesn't figure out anything but then eventually when he runs into his dad again he's like hey so did you get all the stuff from my books and it's a thing that they mentioned way early in the story and it comes back and it matters and it doesn't feel like they just came up with it on the spot yeah, it kind of reminds me of harry though. potter in some moments some some things in harry potter is just serendipity you just got lucky and it seems that way where it's like oh it works that this character tied its ends and other th- times i'm like oh jk rowling actually thought some of this through really early on yeah sometimes but then it's you know She's just problematic in herself, but then it's she just keeps adding more things, and I'm glad that he does not. Where she's just it, like, yeah. oh, and all of a sudden, like, um, I'm like, I don't know why this needed to happen. <laughs> like, listen to our Harry Potter episode if you want to. Uh, yeah, if you really want to hear more about like how how problematic we think J.K. Rowling is, um, and by problematic we mean shitty. Uh, yeah. So I, I you've had, let me rant a little bit. What do you want to talk about with Invincible? The next thing I want to talk about is okay, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so that kind of comes up. So Battle Beast is this. This, like, super strong character, like, gladiator from another planet that could is strong enough to possibly kill a Viltrumite. Like, the only other person that could do he it. He is so badass. The art is so badass. Like, it's incredible. And they, they decide to make him this, like, formidable beast. And you see one or two fight scenes with him. And then, okay. And then you just check in with him every couple, like, 20 issues. They just cut back to Battle Beast in space for no reason. And the no yep. reason is eventually he becomes part of the galactic federation basically they're like listen battle beast can fight some people so let's murder him let him we murder need all the people but also yep. just like control release him on a planet do some damage like... <laughs> like it's really interesting it's like they're like well hulk is problematic but he gets the job done so let's just <laughs> let's give him a spaceship uh He's got a girl who's really into also murder, so let's just let her fly around with him and uh, let's let him do yep. his thing. We'll send yeah, him an address know, and he'll kill everyone. The worst her. that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes for a long time. And there's nothing more like heartbreaking than when Thrag 
has him as like like a lion basically like a lion oh my god i know in the last arc i'm like Like very hercules with the nemean lion yes exactly like that which i'm sure is what they're trying to evoke there but it's just so interesting to see that but like the galactic federation i think is a really cool thing like you mentioned how alan the alien is such a small i was just gonna say alan and his like his job is like an inspector to make sure that every world has a, a somebody that's strong enough to protect them sort of like a rating system kind of you know how they say that there's a galactic federation now or whatever on earth on <laughs> earth and that we've contacted them they're like oh you're too stupid for us to want to deal with like yeah. <laughs> i get it because listen alan was doing that and then he fights mark and then they end up being like buddies like pretty good friends you know and I like that. Idea. So, like, when you think of space, it's this, like, giant tapestry and, like, time is measured so differently because the aliens live so much longer than, like, Earthlings. So, like, he yeah. came once, like, two decades before to check in and because he just seemed like this big threat, Omni-Man didn't try to talk to him. They just fought. He beat him. He left. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back and he's like, hey, so these are the rules. He's like, what are you talking about rules? You're coming to attack my planet. He's like, no. And he learns the whole thing. And Omni-Man's just like, oh, huh didn't know that he's just like wow all this time (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like like little things like that is just so cool and it subverts so many tropes when it comes to the twists of his identity and who knows his identity with the expansion into space stories with the expansion into should we kill or not kill and just and should i be a viltrumite or am i you know my mother's child with the earth with the earth attachment then he meets his little brother oliver too that's a whole nother like trying to teach him right from wrong when he's viltrumite and then some other kind of bug alien from when his dad is gone for many years or um half a month but there it's been however many years and when you think about like a a a conquesting race in, in the stars they would slowly evolve to be able to reproduce with other alien races and I think that that's really fascinating to see with Oliver as like his Viltrumite takes over and it slows down his reproductive or has reproductive his uh, aging process because mm-hmm. he he was like a bug species who like they lived and died within like three four days basically or something like that might have been right. years is their full life cycle but so everybody he ever knew on his planet when he goes back there is done like it's an entire new generation very much like Ender's Game. Yeah, Except it's for sad. with time travel. Yeah, it's like it's super sad. heartbreaking. Like, and because that happens, he starts to divorce from like these these feelings and just, you know, channel the Viltrumite side for a little while. And like I I I just loved all that stuff. And also the the comic book aged with all of its readers, which was a little bit different because I, I found it later on in life. But he goes mm-hmm. from being a teenager to then being an adult to getting married and then he has a kid and watching the kid grow up. Invincible it's, it's, 3, Terra. Exactly. And it's like it's what I loved about Spider-Man for a little while there was as I started to age up, so did Spider-Man. It kind of stopped. They kind of, you know, they got rid of his marriage to Mary Jane. He no longer had a kid. Lots of stuff like that. But Mark, like, it showed him growing. Sad. And they didn't just reboot. Like, they have lots of jokes. There's an entire arc about it rebooting. And they decided not to do that, which is great. Yeah, the re- it's it's just like uh, what like five issues or something like that. Right? Yeah, and it makes it. basically makes fun of pokes fun of reboots and what you can do with some time travel right. stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. this is just us listing the things we like about Invincible now, though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of <laughs> deformed into. Yeah. I don't want to tell them what the ending is. I mean, like some of the major spoilers. Yeah, we got out there. 
don't yeah, wanna... there's some re- there's some really good ones that you should go read. The one thing I will spoil because it's the reason why I th- I think it's the best comic of all time is that the immortal was secretly Abraham Lincoln the whole time. And I... The whole time, <laughs> the whole time. Hashtag Abraham Lincoln, and you see the sideburns, and you should have known the whole time. But you <laughs> you should have known and... because he didn't have the hat. You put a stove. I, literally, stove I think, and, and he wore the the all the onesie, the yes. onesie <laughs> suit. <laughs> It was just so good because it shows the backstory to everybody that's involved in um, the Guardians of the Globe. Just like one page. Everybody gets one page of their backstory. And it gets the immortal. And you see where he starts. And he's like Cain and Abel. And then you see the next like section of his life. And it's him yelling on a podium when he's got the hat. And I'm like, oh, oh my god. He's Abraham. I got... this, is, this is just the best comic. That's just period. And it, it yep. continued that way. Um... I wanted to talk a little bit about all of those spinoffs that we talked about. Uh, how many of those did you read? So just Battle Beast. Just Battle Beast a spinoff. Yeah. So. Oh no, there's a shark one too, isn't there? there there's a bunch of them. Uh, the I forget the name. It's like Man Shark, Grizzly Shark. What was it? <laughs> Invincible spinoffs. Let me see. I'm looking really quick. I, I've read most of them, but it's been a long time. The one yeah, I, I to had talk not. About. Yeah. So by the time that the spinoffs were coming out, I um, wasn't spending Astounding Wolfman. I've read Astounding Wolfman. Astounding Wolfman cool. is is top notch. But I only read the first four, though. I don't think I read any of the ones that came after that. I'm just like scrolling through to see what else I've read. So Astounding Wolfman uh, is really really good. It's it's a full supernatural part of the the you know Invincible universe, but it's about you uh-huh. know it's basically Iron Fist if instead of finding out. He comes from a long line of martial artists. He comes from a long line of werewolves, but like he's still a rich millionaire. Yeah, he's trained by a vampire. That's astounding, Wolfman. And eventually, he has to fight Mark Grayson, and they team up. Who would have foreseen? That's a pretty. <laughs> that's a pretty done trope. Like, <laughs> yeah, Guardians of the Globe was also really good. It's it reminded me a lot of uh, uh, Justice League International. Where it's like uh, Justice League was their serious book, and then they made Justice League International, which was like Batman with this group of misfits, basically, and it was really, really funny. That's where you get like Ted Cord, Blue Beetle with uh, um, Booster Gold, and all of their awesome back and forth. That was basically Guardians of the Globe, which was like, hey, let's take this new generation, like the second one past Teen Team, when the government goes, you know what, we'll do it ourselves. We'll put together a group of new Guardians of the Globe. Yes. I love when Cecil is always... So Cecil is like their handler. He's like the direct liaison with the Guardians of the Globe. And they are always haggling about how much money they're going to make and like who's going to pay for what. And yeah, it's because amazing. There's, like, there's like three so other something teams. you would really have to, I mean, consider. Like sort of how you see after Age of Ultron and the Marvel films where they're like, wow, we have to actually deal with the fallout of wrecking all of the shit. Like, yes, it's exactly like right that. Right from the beginning. And that was there. like, the whole when you find out the whole reason why they formed the Guardians of the Globe is because they couldn't keep affording to pay ad hoc groups like, yeah. to, to do it. <laughs> freelance. Because there's, a, there's another help. team that, that's based in New York that's kind of like their version of the Avengers. Like there's Kid Thor and like, there's like a Wonder Woman on the team kind of thing. Uh, but they had their own comic book that was before this and that they tied it into the Invincible universe. And uh, they their work for hire. They're like a really expensive version of the heroes for hire like like luke cage type thing and mm-hmm. they they had to call them in a couple of times and the new gardens of the globe were, were indisposed and he's like you know how much it cost me like just to dial their number they charged me a million dollars and <laughs> and i pay all of you millions of dollars to just sleep with each other in this tower 
and occasionally kill bad guys. And the one guy who's actually really good is Best Tiger, which is this, I think he was a Chinese hero, and he just has, like, all the powers of, like, Deadshot, basically. Like, he never misses. Mm -hmm. And he's the only cool one out of all the new group that gets brought in. (laughs) Everybody else is, like, so dumb, and they know it in that book, which is really fun. And he's, like, the only one that takes it seriously. And uh, there's also just Cecil teleporting, and it costs the t- taxpayers, like, billions of dollars so, every teleport. So much money. And he's like, do you know how much it costs me to come and get you whenever, like, <laughs> Mark is somewhere fucked up? <laughs> but, it, but it's worth it, because it's just so funny to see. And, like, sometimes he talks about it, he's like, I just like doing it. Like, like I like teleporting. <laughs> like, at the same time, I just like to see it. Like, um, there, I mean, there's a couple other ones. Adam, Eve, um... And Rex so cool. had, had her own, uh, like yeah. their, their own like duo comic book that like was her prequel before, which is really interesting. It fleshed out their relationship, but also it just gave you her full backstory, which is crazy. Like she was like a government mm-hmm. experiment from like the age of like four, basically, and she can never die. Hmm. Yeah, which I mean, you see in the main story that she can never die, and you learn about that. But seeing where it came from and seeing her and Rex, that's why they bonded us because they were both fucked with by the government, basically. Yeah, I mean that's the big thing too, which is has been done obviously in comics, but like how the government is also like sketch, like yes, and like how they keep uh, one of the big tropes that keep coming back through the book is that. Every time there's a big bad that either had a r- good idea or was like, they were right, but they were doing it the wrong way. The government just goes, hey, why don't you come work for us instead of putting them in jail or murdering them? Right. And that's They're one like, of the big issues. We know that who Mark you has. are. We know who your families are. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, the Almost first Amanda bad guy. Waller-like, but... <laughs> it's 100% like Amanda Waller, except for yeah. he, he, they succeed in reforming them. Like the first bad guy in the series. Um, there's uh it's his teacher right it's his teacher that's blowing up students mm-hmm. and then he goes to college and he meets a second bad guy who took the technology from the from the teacher who was just blowing up students and was like hey what if i use that in combination with reanimating the dead and um. the reanimen <laughs> and so mark takes him down the government takes him away and then the government goes let's just hire that guy to make all of our troops from now on and, and then it, they say, wow, what a genius idea. <laughs> yeah. And, and they do that for a long time. And when Mark finds out, that's the big issue. But the fact that that's going on in the background, and you see hints of it. When you find out that's the truth, you're like, oh, that's why you kept seeing that type of technology pop up. And it's so thoughtful. Right. I love it. Makes it makes so much sense. I don't know. So, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Yes. So I did find not very many pop culture like references where you see Invincible and other uh, material. But it is in two episodes of King of the Hill. Invincible is in two episodes yes. of King of the Hill. Bobby is seen reading a comic entitled Uninvincible, Unvin- whose title <laughs> and cover art is similar to the first issue of Invincible. <laughs> and then awesome. uh, way late, or not maybe way late, I don't know how much later, Buck Strickland plays with an Invincible action figure when playing his entrance at the Benefit concert. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it comes so, twice. I love King of the Hill. So King of the Hill is one of the best shows of all time. And so that that is really, really cool. Um, he crosses over yes. into Spider-Man for an issue. Spider-Man doesn't appear in Invincible because Marvel wouldn't let him, but they allowed Kirkman to bring Invincible into the Marvel Universe, which is completely reasonable because he owned the character. So he's an entire right. issue there where they team up, they fight, they do the classic thing. Batman is seen throwing a Batarang in the follow-up when he's passing through portals, fighting Angstrom mm-hmm. Levi. However, Invincible never shows up in the Batman Universe. Um, he's there. I think there's some tie-ins of The Walking Dead that I had seen too. 
like uh, that yeah that doesn't surpri- like, surprise me at all yeah but... no not at all so in the like the, in the actual show you mean yeah in the, oh in the, I, I thought so. it was like maybe someone was reading an invincible comic in the walking dead comic book no. universe but like in the in the show that's pretty cool also makes a lot of sense no in season six of the walking dead yeah so show if you uh if you like Action other figures. internet like <laughs> podcasts and stuff like that you're fine uh, other internet podcasters and stuff. If you ever listen to Kind of Funny, or you know Greg Miller from IGN, or you followed over there, you should check out Kind of Funny. Greg Miller is the universe's biggest Invincible fan, and a lot of stuff comes up over there about Invincible, and it's been a, a good place to find other people talking about it. Because even though it's a super popular comic and everybody loved it, you don't hear a lot of people talking about Invincible these days. No, I would agree that it's like the people who do like it. I feel like it's in in circles of people that read comics, it's highly regarded. But to the general public, before they announced the show, it was not. No, which is really that's something I'm really excited for with the show coming out is more people seeing it because if you, like uh, our friend John, he's notoriously known for not liking things. Like you can hand him the best thing ever, he's like, I don't know, Moby Dick was a little overrated. Uh, you know, stuff like uh, that, which I agree, Moby Dick is a little overrated, but... All I have to say is, I got John to watch Independence Day for my birthday for the first time. <laughs> Did he like it? Well, he had a problem with the science parts of it not making sense. I said, it's a blockbuster <laughs> movie. It's... <laughs> what he, science he was, fiction like, movie he has he watched like... where the science makes sense? Because that movie doesn't exist. Well, you know he hasn't seen many movies. Uh, he hasn't seen anything because he's so dumb. But he, I had him read Invincible, and I was like, get to the twist. And he got to the twist, he's like, I don't care. And I realized it was because, oh... You might not care about the twist unless you are a comic book fan. Like, is it a big deal that Superman kills people now? Not really. At the time, it was huge. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, maybe if you don't grow up, like, knowing, like, Batman never kills, then you see Thomas Wayne's version of Batman where he's got guns and fucking kills people. And you're like, this is so revolutionary. But if you're just watching it, you're like, okay, so... But it's funny because, like, if you look at it now, like, if you look at Zack Snyder's Murderverse, like, everybody mm-hmm. murders. So, like, if you're like, yeah, Batman doesn't kill, he's like, okay, does that, that, like, or Batman is killing people in the story. He's like, is that that weird? He murdered a bunch of people in Batman versus Superman. You're like, yeah, and Superman doesn't kill. You're like, really? Okay, so it's supposed to be cool that he's the bad guy in this movie, but I watched him break Zod's neck in Man of Steel. <laughs> like, yeah, like, so, to be fair. So if you're not, like, this entrenched in it, I, I guess there are things that are going to fall flat for you with Invincible. But the the main drama of it, I still think, works. And a lot of the tropes are still fun to read. It's still a good story, even if you're not, you know, 40 years deep in knowledge of Marvel and DC Comics. No, there's tons of things. And I mean, when I had started reading it, I hadn't really read a whole ton. I'd read a little bit of Teen Titans stuff, and I think that was it. And then after I had started reading it, I had fallen in love, and I was like, time to read a bunch of other stuff. And that's when you would send me just <laughs> hundreds of issues of stuff to read. I guess if you're okay with it, can we get kind of serious for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, okay. that's fine with me. Okay, I just making sure because like there's one of the other things I really like about the the book is it covers some really serious topics in really yes. really heartfelt ways. So yes. when Omni Man leaves, his mom has trouble with alcoholism, and it's not like when Iron Man was a you know a drunk for half an arc, you know, which is really good. Like the Demon in a Bottle is a really good arc of Iron Man, but it still only goes so far to see how that comes up. Whereas in when you see the loss of his mom and everything that she had in Omni-Man, she doesn't know what to do with herself and becomes a full-on alcoholic. And Basically, until Oliver comes, comes in along. and then she, yeah, and then she can raise her ex-husband, whatever, and his bug creature lovers 
yeah, until she has something free. to live live for again. And it yeah. hit home for me because when my dad died, my mom, I mean, she didn't become an alcoholic, but she was a shell of a woman. She didn't know what to do with herself. She was with the same guy for 30 years and then he passed away. Right. And that was like her, right. that was like most of her existence. Like, what do I do now? And when I saw that in that character and not knowing what to do, I was like, oh, this is real. And they handled it real. It wasn't yep. just, okay, Captain America died in this issue. Next issue, we keep going. Like, you, they dealt with right. the fallout. Not just, like, yeah. the superhero fallout, but the human fallout from it. I think that uh, one of the places that I see it best, too, is his first girlfriend, Mark's first girlfriend's name is Amber. And yeah. then before he meets Adam Eve and then their soulmates, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and Amber ends up being with someone. And, like, Amber and he part on pretty amicable terms. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up being someone who beats the shit out of her. And so she calls Mark and he's with, he's with Adam Eve and she's like, you know, you got to go, whatever. And she's like beat, beat to fuck, like doesn't know how to leave him basically. And Mark like loses his mind and almost kills him. I think he breaks his leg and is going to drop him from like a super high height or something. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and then like, she needs help though. After that, like she talks to his mom a little bit. Um, I yeah, they didn't fix all of her problems just because he like came in to save the day. Like she still had to deal with a lot of, personal issues that she was going through on her own kind of thing and they don't drop Um, the story like the the fact that they kept following up with this character who was a side character ostensibly like it's not even lois lane it's like lois lane's friend if you're reading superman basically it's like lana lane in in comics for a long time it's like oh why would we care about her anymore it's because you do and the characters care about her and so you watch her go through it really realistically of having to figure out what to do now on top of the fact that now this dude was almost murdered so she's kind of tethered to it and he made the wrong decision to react that way yeah, I just, I, I thought it was really interesting to, to see that fallout and the fact that they dwelled just, on it. Like, that was an well, entire arc, basically. The fact also that, like, Adam Eve is so supportive, right? Just like Mark is supportive when she has to go help Rex, like her and Rex's relationship and stuff. It just seems so mature and, like, realistic rather than toxic just for the drama's sake. Yeah, like, we're so, just like, I can't, you still obviously have feelings for her or something. It's like, yeah, no, like exactly. he, he's a human and they were friends and he, I mean, he does have feelings for her. He's always going to care about her and she's supportive, not just because she's a woman who's going through something tough. It's like, oh no, like she sees that he cares and she, they're all, she's also a superhero. She would act that way. Right. Exactly. And I just, I, I love when it gets into the, something serious like that and it keeps going. Like I, I never quite saw how deep it would go with those serious topics because, you know, superhero comics, the seriousness it gets into is some political things. And it's like, should we murder people or should we not murder people? That's usually it. Right. And Government control. <laughs> yeah. And they handle that really well. We've talked about that here. But when it comes to the little human stories, like when it gets into race with Bulletproof and how it's different when he wears the costume than when Mark wears the costume, I thought yeah, was fascinating. His, his, recep- his reception is totally different, which I think that they nailed, like... And I mean, you can see it now also with like Miles Morales too becoming so much more prevalent with Into the Spider Verse, with Miles Morales the game, like yeah, people reacting different, people reacting differently. Yeah, it's just a good parallel, and we saw it, you know, ten years ago or whatever when they did it. And I mean, I'm sure that other comics have done it, but I just remember being startled by how upfront they were about the issues that were happening. Yeah, like how much racism he he faces, like in you know. Obviously, like, Donald Glover was trying to become Spider-Man at that time, and he was facing a bunch of backlash, like, because Spider-Man can't be black. And then Marvel's like, you know what? Spider-Man can be black. 
<laughs> Marvel was like, actually, he is in fact black. So. And like, when you think about all the hate Marvel gets when they tried to change all of their characters, and the people are like, oh, it's just woke bullshit. It's like, oh no, maybe it's just kind of boring if every single hero is so, a white dude. So I just saw like some super toxic stuff. So GTA Six, they announced that um you'll have the option to play the main character that's a female. They announced people... GTA Six. I didn't even see that. I don't. I just the only reason I saw it was because someone had said toxic gaming community continues, and it was like there had been some like brief announcements or whatever about the next GTA, and one of them was that they were trying to include a female lead. I don't know if it's like like uh, Assassin's Creed is done now, where you can pick or. But just like that. you're gonna be able to play as a woman in the main storyline. People of GTA 6. fucking flipped out. They were like, "Your base is mostly male, and we don't want to play as some fucking chick and prostitutes, prostitutes, prostitutes." You know, GTA stuff. <laughs> but, but, but I was like, "These fucking assholes!" <laughs> and they they do ruin a lot of. I think that's that's funny because people get mad like, "Oh, it has to be woke," and I'm like, "Okay, like I'm not saying everything has to be PC when we see that, but." I was very interested. I hadn't read a Thor comic in a long time. And Jason Aaron was doing a really interesting run at the time with Thor. And I didn't give a shit because it was just Thor. And then right. Thor was taken up. Like um, Jane Foster took up the mantle of Thor. And I was like, fuck, I need to check out Thor That's again. That's incredible. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then I went it's... back and I'm like, oh, Jason Aaron's been doing an amazing run. And it really fit the story at why Jane Foster became Thor. Same thing with Hulk. Right. Hulk was kind of stagnant. I didn't really care. And then they gave it to, um, was it? Is it Cho? I believe I can't remember. I can't remember his his name in the book. But it's like, oh, this this like genius Wonderkin um, is going to take the powers away from Banner, and he actually has full con- full control. And it's like the totally awesome Hulk. And I'm like, fuck, I'll read that. And Captain right. America passed over the mantle to um, Falcon, and I was like, okay, that's really cool and earned because he was his partner for all those years. And yeah. again, it wasn't just these like like these white dudes that we'd seen for thirty years. Let's do something interesting with the story, and everyone hated it. When I say everyone, I mean people who are sixty and still reading comics, and they're just throwing hissy fits I, because it doesn't look like them anymore. I just don't understand because there's only so many stories that you can tell. Yeah, from that perspective, and like with that same character, it's the same version. It's the same reason that I really enjoyed, and maybe this isn't necessarily so on brand because the flash is still white but like the wally west barry Allen, like the flash like no the different versions that's of a him, very yeah. being different being different things and and that's passing the mantle period you're right if you take race out of it or like you know gender like any like if you're taking like their the what makes them you i guess unique i guess just the idea of passing the mantle period has left because people just want the same character over and over exactly again. and that's and that's part of why I think that I've always really enjoyed seeing the different versions of the flash is because it, they're totally different versions. They might all be white, right? They're all white men, but they still like their backgrounds are totally different. The way that they approach the character is totally different. Yeah, so they, why they would made, you want they made that? Wally but, black eventually. Right. But you're right. It's like, it's yes. Barry. Yeah. But I'm, Wally, I'm talking like when they impulse. Right. Yeah. It's white dude, white redhead dudes. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then they, and, and now I think, I don't know if now currently because they've done so many, flips <laughs> i think but yeah and they brought back wally was... again too like the older version but but you're right though like flash honestly was not an interesting character he's one of the most boring versions of the justice league until he died they made they retroactively yep. they made him more interesting but wally had so much heart and was so a well-written much. character to the point where like if you look at the justice league show that was wally 
that was definitely yeah i mean and michael rosenberg just did such a great job and michael rosenbaum is the goat but <laughs> oh, rosenbaum yeah yeah um, i was like lex luther but also wally but also wally which is so funny when like he doesn't get involved with dc stuff and i'm like oh why you are dc to me uh i know but but i think like uh, to get back onto invincible i think yeah, it addresses sorry. those issues no you're fine i think it addresses those issues really well even though like you are following the straight white dude through the entire story, like his roommate um, and his best friend from high school end up hooking up. They're both dudes and the way that they handle their relationship is so cute and so endearing. Like the way they hooked up because they were the awkward friends. Like this is my friend from high school and this is my friend from college. And if I leave there's, you have nothing in common. And yep. what happened there was like a love story, which is cool. It's like, we don't, we don't have anything else to do. So they hook up. I'm like, Oh my God, yeah. that is so good. And that's so college too. It's like, it's so we don't college. have anything else to do, but fuck, I guess. Like, <laughs> well, we've got like, some time. Exactly. I just, I love that. I thought that was so cool. And then, uh, like, to, to bring it down, like, a super somber note, like, the main character gets raped. Like, Mark is sexually yeah. assaulted by a woman, too, to bring attention yeah. to that. The fact that some people don't believe that that can happen and don't and believe. And he's super powerful, too. Yes. So, like, to see it happen to someone who is, like, uh, almost omnipotent power. Yes. Right? Like, was just, it was outrageous. Like, when I read it, it was, like, I was, like, crying. I was, like, this is, I can't believe that they did this, one. But, two, like, it's done so well. Then he, like, has total intimacy issues with Adam Eve, who I think he's married to at that point. Yeah. They, I don't know if they have their daughter point. yet. I don't think do they, they did. I don't think right. they did. But he, but she, like, there. tries to initiate, like, some kind of sexual activity or whatever and he like freaks out like don't touch me like and she like has no idea that this has happened to him right so then she she has to deal with like what's wrong with me you know it's so it's so well done and then she and so gets like done. yeah and then that's what right around when she gets the body issues and she puts on a bunch of weight so she's already yep. feeling self-conscious about that yep. when when he's having a hard time doing it and then that was also a really body confident part because when he's starting to hit get his confidence back she felt okay being in that form which was really interesting yep. because she can control what she looks like exactly like she had i mean the stress and whatever had made her like put on weight exactly yeah. yeah exactly like mentally like you see like the direct like correlation almost. and they let her stay like that for a long time and the only other hero like when you think of like a fat woman in comics that's not really a thing other than like amanda waller you know no and then she uh, Hulk, but she's just super fit like she's yeah she's just super fit. she's muscular like but she's and, just big is what i was thinking. yeah like, exactly and but like the only other one was like faith from the variant comics i don't know if you've ever read any of their stuff or not variant valiant comics um she's a heavier set woman with like basically the powers of superman mm -hmm. um but other than that it doesn't you don't see it because it's drawing so you're looking at the male gaze it's like let's just draw them with as big as boobs as possible bent over sideways in a way that they would fall yeah, exactly. apart and it's hard because it's like oh i grew up reading those comics but like that's that's not really women like like <laughs> that's not really right, what a person exactly. it's not really men either like the way they draw dudes i'm like i don't i can't look like that unless i do I a lot of steroids I even think that um, they've reimagined Wonder Woman a lot to be more thick. Yeah. To, like, sure. still muscular, but, like, she definitely doesn't look as stick-thin as you see her portrayed in, like, the animated series um, and, like, in, in comics prior to now. Now I think that they add, like, a ton more muscle tone definition that kind of thing well no she looked like 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 mary tyler moore or uh who's the chick right. from breakfast at tiffany's what's her name 
Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Like, I'm like, okay, but she's a superhero. Like, but she would not look like that. Like, she's a princess of the Amazons, which is, you know, part of, like, uh, warrior princess, you know, warrior princess, whatever, because she was never really super thin. No, and, like, I guess to, to, to get back to what we were saying before, like, so the, you have the body positivity and also the negativity that comes from it, and they show the full weight of it because they show the other side of it, too, which is really bold. Like, it's not like you never see his rapist again. Like, she becomes not a main character by any means, and she doesn't go through any sort of redemption, but they give a part where it allows him to get some closure on it, and... Uh, you know spoilers when it comes to what happens there there's a lot of stuff to do with viltrumites and them needing to reproduce so mm-hmm. she comes back into that storyline and because it's part of their race it's, it doesn't seem strange to them that that happened and having to yeah. explain like you know the fact that on earth like you don't do that and that's not okay and he wasn't prepared for it and then she has to deal with now understanding that she did that well she has a kid from yeah. it too correct yeah yes. and yeah. And then she dies, I think, eventually. Yeah, after, and, like, and they allow her to, like, it's kind of like, uh, it's like, oh, now you understand empathy, because they didn't understand Earthlings. She starts to learn, and she learns that she kind of, like, that she fucked up, basically. You know, that she did this right. super horrendous thing, and uh, she can't forgive herself, but she also loves her son, which is, like, yeah. kind of a rough part of it, and, and Invincible has to come to love his son. Yeah, exactly, but it's just so, because it came from such a terrible terrible thing obviously situation yeah it's definitely heavy stuff that i never thought that i would see handled the way that they handled it It handled so well in a comic book that you know i read because it was like oh this is like superman if he had a kid like spider-man i'm like i'm in and it goes mm-hmm. to all those crazy deep places and it does it so well and it handles it with care to the point where like there i'm sure there's some things looking back that were, were problematic but none of them come to mind because it handles so many other things well yeah i'm sure if i did a re reread through there would potentially be yeah i bet you there's some really homophobic stuff that happens with those two characters because i think i think that was a part of it like i think one of the characters was kind of a bully when they were younger and was in the closet so i think that there was probably some really horrible slurs thrown out at first Mm -hmm. so like lots of stuff like that i'm sure existed also like it was a comic book that came out in 2002 you know (laughs) or 2003 like there was definitely gonna be some stuff like that but i don't remember it because it, it it handled so many other things really well and uh, I don't know. I always cite it whenever it comes to how do I address this serious topic in a story. I look to Invincible because it doesn't feel fantastical in any way when it reaches those other points. Like the like the, his, the person that sexually assaulted him, you know, it was an alien from space with superpowers, and he's a superhero, and it happens during a superhero fight. But it still felt like it was a real thing that happened to a character, and. Uh, that's the kind of thing that I remember from the story. Yeah, I'd agree that it is uh, that it, they handle it really well. That they approach it in a really realistic way, not a perfect way by any means. And no, I don't. And that, I think that's part of it too. Is I don't think you can approach any of that stuff in a perfect way. No, that's there's not a, a there's not a one set, you know, band aid for how everyone approaches it or how everyone deals with it or how everyone. Yeah, and I'm sure there are people yeah. that, that have experienced all the things that we talked about that were all good things told well in this story, and they're like, Psh, that's not how it happened to me. So, like, you know, we might be speaking out of our ass when it comes to some of that. But uh, right. I think it's relatable on a lot of fronts. But now that we talked about the serious thing, the after-school special, um, let's let's bring it up again before we go. <laughs> Let, <laughs> okay. Are you laughing at me because I said after-school special? 
know, I, I just think Fox of the extra Kid, special Fox episodes. Kids, Fox, Fox Kids hasn't been mentioned yet, so no, there hasn't been any mention of Fox Kids. But we are about to talk about cartoons, so let's talk about the fact that Invincible is being adapted not once but twice. Uh, by the same group of people. So the movie rights were bought a while ago. We're talking yeah. almost a decade ago now. Except mm-hmm. for it was expensive. There wasn't a way to do it. Now Marvel is this huge thing. So it it is still happening. I think Universal was the one that was working on it. Um, mm-hmm. But in the meantime, uh, not, not instead, this is also an addition to. So Seth Rogen's producing both. But he said, let's make it a comic. Or let's make it a show. And he sold it to Amazon. And is producing yes. it over there. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We we mentioned it earlier, but let's bring up that cast again and the pedigree okay. behind all of these people. I yeah. still it, I'm in awe every time I see it. I'm like, there's no way that all of these people are in this comic or in this uh, cartoon. So I haven't heard as much news about the movie. They like haven't casted have anything at all. Just that okay, they said so that I didn't know the team I... is still planning on making it. Like it's not one of those things that's like in hiatus or anything like that. Gotcha. Especially okay. with the um, um with the success of the boys, which is another you know superhero analog. Yeah. Um, yep. they're they're moving forward like ten times as fast because that was such a success at Amazon to the point where I right, think so they're now trying to... with the show, I think Amazon is involved with the movie now as well. Oh, nice! I didn't know that, but it makes yeah. sense since yeah. they're doing since it's also Seth Rogen for both. So and um, uh, the cart so the cartoon is going to be eight episodes, all one hour long. Yes. So, like, an eight-hour movie is how I an read that. An eight-hour animated movie? When was the last time you saw an episodic animated show that was an hour long? I don't think I ever have. That was an hour long? I don't think so. Just movie, just, like, specials that they just would do. Just special, exactly. But, like, an actual, yeah. like, episodic show, which is crazy. But I feel like that's that's invincible right there. It's an hour, usually, like, we, we talked about Gilmore Girls last week, right? So Gilmore yeah. Girls was this crazy thing where it's like, it's a comedy, and it's an hour long. There's dramatic parts of it, and there's melodrama, but mostly it's a comedy. That's an hour long. I had never heard of that, you know? That mm-hmm. like, kind of broke the mold. This is something similar. You're talking about a cartoon, even a serious one. Even serious cartoons are like, well, 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah, nope. An hour. It's gonna be so and cool. I mean, they're talking about already. I don't know if they've already like announced it, but they're talked about like already renewing it for because they're not gonna do the whole comic in eight hours. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty sure there are the early first... rumblings that it's already been picked up for a second season internally. Yeah, I think it's just like the first two arcs or something like that. That's Maybe what I wanted to ask you. Like, we're, like we're talking fun of casting and stuff, but like, where do you think it's gonna cut off at? Where do you think the it can't end at the twist, right? The twist has to be like episode. The twist three. is too early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I wonder if it will happen. Well, if it will end with Rex Blood's death, that's pretty early. Oh no, no, it's that's after college. Um, that's what they're on I the Guardians of the Globe. Uh, when, Let me pull when up the, the timeline. Because that you know, we mentioned like the characters in the background eventually building up the stuff. The Lizard League is always has always been such a funny bad guy in like Captain America comic books. Like it's like an offshoot of Hydra, and so they keep bringing that up as like they're this terrible group of villains in Invincible. I don't even think they're called the Lizard League. It's like something like that. They all work mm-hmm. for the Lizard King. And it's this horrible group that is attached to conspiracy theories and they're so bad at their job until they start getting backing from the Martians and they start stepping up their game and they become like the best villains because they get a nuclear warhead. And so you see this like joke character slowly build up to a real thing, really similar to what uh, Tom King did with Kite Man. I don't know if you if you follow along. Kite I, Man have, with Batman. I have not, no. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so good, so good. But they slowly build up the storyline of this background character until you you see its heart wrenching like finale, and that's what they did with the the Lizard League. Again, I don't remember what the Invincible name is. So, yeah. So I I think that was later on in the story though. To get back to the point, I wonder if they'll do. I guess it'll depend on how much they include about the Guardians of the Globe because if that's like its own episode, then they might only do until after Mark fights with his dad, um, and after. Omni-Man kills Immortals uh, the second time when he meets Cecil. <laughs> and Cecil's like, hey, I got this job. And then I think Alan comes back. I'm trying I'm like trying to quickly read through this to figure out the order of things. Alan does come Alan back a little bit while Mark to Earth after that. And, yeah, is going to be invaded by the Viltrumites. I think that'll probably be a good spot for it to end. When he yeah. knows that, like, and then that sets up the Viltrumite, like, invasion. For a season two uh, threat. Or, or Angstrom Levy for season two. I think Angstrom Levy happens. Well, so Angstrom Levi is pretty yeah, early sorry, on. Levi. You're fine. It might be Angstrom Le- Levy. It's a fucking comic book. I don't know how it's pronounced. But uh, Angstrom is there pretty early on the first time he fights, but when he first gets his powers, before he turns into yes. like an all-out villain. So he probably yes. does face him in the first season to come back for season two. Do you think yeah, that the Jason would... War would be a season three bad guy or a season two yeah. bad guy? I think the, Invin- the Invincible War or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I wonder if they'll yeah. end there because I, I have a pro. I, I don't think the show will go eight seasons, you know, to, to reach, to do all of the storylines from the comic book just because it's so, so long. So I guess they could. I mean, yeah, but it's only eight episodes. It's I guess true. An hour long, though. Uh, yeah. But, you know, animation ex- is expensive, is the thing. And cartoons yeah. very rarely stick around because cartoons, as sad as it is, when you think of like anime, cartoons don't cross over to the mainstream on that level unless they're extra comedic. Like, to the point where that's the only the thing. Simpsons. Yeah, The yeah. Simpsons. Um, the Simpsons also Family came guy. from a vacuum. Uh, but, like, Rick and Morty would probably be the closest thing at this point. Okay, in time. there you go. Where, like, The Boys is a huge hit for Amazon, but it's live action. Even though it's a really similar subject matter, honestly. Like, everyone who watches The Boys will love The Invincible Show. I guarantee it. But will everyone watch it? Mm, hopefully. I, I mean, I don't I really... Know. But people our age aren't, don't have a problem with cartoons. But there are right, there is an and older audience that won't, it won't connect to. Crossing over to that mainstream but is I mean, what gets renewal. Is- is the older audience even on Amazon Prime in the first place? Are they watching The Boys? Like, my parents, like, if I were to ask my mom, she would have no idea what that was. That's fair. Or That's even, fair. like, my aunts or anything like that. Like, the people that are boosting The Boys are not people our parents' age. It's so, people our age and younger. is everybody who's going to watch The Boys, because I already said they will enjoy Invincible, are all those people going to watch Invincible? Will they give it a chance? Will I they feel be like having big animated? names, I feel like having big names attached to it, like Seth Rogen, Okay. Um, I think that will help. And J.K. Simmons and Sandra O oh and like people who and and having Robert Kirkman like The Walking Dead is so from the creator so of Walking huge. Dead, like right, exactly. Like so, you like The Walking Dead? You want to see more stuff by the guy who did The Walking Dead? Like, I just think that I mean, zombies became like a whole theme for however many years. Every it was every movie, it was every show, it was you know what I mean, like because of him so it was every video game like it it took a seminal place in all of media really and pop culture in general like like, you're right i think it was is gonna bring people in because you have people like like ross marquand like you know from from walking dead it's not a household name necessarily but if you like the walking dead you're a fan of his 
And see, yeah. like Jonathan Groff, like people don't know his name, but you see him, you're like, oh, that's Hamilton, you know, like, exactly. oh, that's Jesse Glee, exactly. like people know Mahershala Ali, you know, like, yeah, the, the, you I have also, these like these titans of of talent. I guess you're right. I guess that probably would bring in that crossover audience because it's not like they're just going with some like very unknown, only known in animation cast in production, and the guy who wrote it is only in comics. Right, like we like, we get excited because it's like, oh, Steve Bloom is in this, even though it's kind of hard to do that. Because well, I get excited because Steve Bloom, he's in everything, so like he yeah, does end up in bad projects sometimes. But like yeah. we get excited. But like if you saw Steve Bloom on this casting list, people aren't going to be like, oh, my mom loves Steve Bloom. No, Meanwhile, if I tell Hamm my mom, like, yes, exactly. John Hamm is exactly what I was going to say. John Hamm's on there. Like, oh, I love John Hamm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if it'll go eight seasons, but I would bet it goes at least four or five. And I think that you can tell most of the story in four or five. I, you, I, I if, hope I hope that it can be told. It's hard because it's a weird, it's a, it's a mind fuck because it's 144 issues and when you break that up like Daryl like that's a lot of that's a lot of issues of a comic book for one single straight story but over so, the years it's not when you think of like what actually happens in the comic book a lot of stuff happens but not that much time passes right it goes so from being 17 say, to like 30 you know it'll depend on it, how, if they do the first seven issues if they how much time they take introducing the characters yeah. and spending on the backstories because if they're just following his story that's very different than than playing out all of the side character stories that we get to see when you read the comic and i don't the think they're going to do all of the side stories but i feel like it loses something if you don't at least get those hints no. of that world right i think yeah i think they'll do a lot of easter eggs for people that have read i think that the like like i still think that alan the alien will have a prominent like backstory like because he's a prominent main character too you know yeah, he I mean? just so doesn't start explain. out there right right um and then i think like guardians of the globe like i think immortal and stuff like that like they'll have to but i don't know that amber will have the same kind of in-depth backstory that she has in the comics because right, I, like... while i think it adds something to the comics i don't think that it's going to add something to see it animated Right, like, like you get you get characters that have almost whole issues de- dedicated to them because you can. Twenty two pages is actually not that long for writing. You know, when you have a, a comic book issue, you can read a comic book in twenty minutes, basically. So yeah. like you get something like there's an entire arc where Black Samson was an original member of the Guardians of the Ga- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Loses Globe. It. Loses his powers, gets loses him back. Loses his powers, somehow. gets him back, and, and like, but there's like a whole thing about like how he gets a suit of armor to maybe get his powers back, and his butler has been has been killing people who said that he couldn't do it, um, because his butler loves him so much, and it's like, yeah. is that really is that going to be an arc in the show? Probably not. It was an arc in the comic books because you could do that. You had that real estate, but are we going to really see Black Samson's entire backstory about him kind of devolving into a villain and not knowing what to do with himself to eventually working his way back up to being a formidable hero in the universe? Probably not. Exactly. It might be done law and order style as like a stinger, like, hey, Black Samson's back, you know? Right, dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I always say law and order because they like that's exactly how it is. You see the entire case play out, and then one of the cops goes, "Yeah, my wife left me." Like, oh no, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, just the like, serialization. Just personal aside. Yes, yeah. exactly. My wife's still leaving me. <laughs> Two episodes later. <laughs> no, like, like, ah, uh, can you give me a ride to the hotel? My wife left me again. <laughs> like, it's, so... like, keep it going, but. Exactly. I would bet that it focuses on the big twist with his dad, right? In Guardians of the Globe. That'll be probably season one. And then maybe, maybe we see college, the beginning of college. Maybe, yeah. Because he, honestly, but, uh, like, he he's in high school for a, for a pretty long time in the comics, but you don't see much of it. No, yeah. 
it's like him hanging out with, out with Eve, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then she goes to Africa and all that kind of stuff. Like that stuff Dom doesn't necessarily need to be there. I don't know, even like the Sequoid invasion, yeah, it's good. But I don't know if it'll need to be in there. Because if, if they're just going to do... So let's say they just do three or four, right? It'll be the original twist, Viltrumite War, and then probably War of the Invincibles. And they but probably you won't have do to have the Sequid stuff because that's where he disappears. So that's his first chance to become a superhero. And it ties in so heavily to why Rex becomes the big bad. Or but maybe robot, they don't let... You know maybe, I mean, but... maybe they don't have Robot be the big bad. That's the whole second half of that story. That's that's issue, you know, like ninety to the end. There's you can't have him not become that. That's what I mean. Like I, if you, when you start to try to condense it, you you change the story and you change what works. Yeah, that's true. So maybe it's just not as much backstory, and yeah, then they do it maybe. in five seasons. And maybe we're completely well, wrong, also, and they right. they keep everything. You know, I don't know. Well, and the, the other thing is, it's only eight episodes for the first season. Maybe they do more episodes. For yeah. the second season, try to include more in it, and like, because if they did twelve episodes, I would say it would only need four seasons. Well, and also, again, an hour is a long time to fill. Like I said, you can read a comic book in twenty minutes, and a comic book is as close to a storyboard as you can get. Like, it can be yeah, a true. frame for frame of a movie. Look at three hundred. Three hundred is almost shot for shot that comic book. Like, like, like. There's just straight up panels pulled. (laughs) More screaming, more, more Leonidas pecs, but pretty close to that comic book. Um, And it's a two and a half hour movie. So if you think of it along those lines, they probably could do most of it pretty close to what it was in the comics. I just don't know how well that translates. Like. uh, this is a bad example because I don't think this comic book is nearly as good as Invincible, but Mark Wade's The Boys is it, I think it's Mark Wade. Um I don't want to just throw him under the bus though. So but but The Boys, that comic book is not nearly as good as Invincible and a lot of the chaff was removed um to get that show to where it needs to be and then they brought in writers to fix it up and tell a better story based off basically just the same premise. Like if you watch the show and read the book, it's not as recognizable as you would think. Like it's a very different divergent story. However, Invincible is top-notch storytelling and not just because I'm a fan, like that's it's pretty solid. I don't know how much you would want to change. Like obviously there's some stuff to cut and you can't have everything because it's a comic book to a show and they're just different mediums, but there's so much stuff that contributes that matters. And it would be different if a lot of the stuff that happened was just for entertainment. Not a lot right, happens just for so entertainment. Connected. Yeah. Yeah. Invincible. That's my issue when you're like, yeah, like you, you went full producer mode. You're like, well, what if Ro- Robot doesn't become the bad guy? I'm like, why are we even talking? Like, <laughs> well, I know, but I just mean like, I think that you could tell the story without Robot being the bad guy and just cut off the second half. Like if you're really only going to do. You mean like not get, you mean, not necessarily he doesn't become the bad guy as much as like, we just don't get there. Like the show ends before Correct. We, yeah. Like it ends after the, the Viltrumite war. Then, right? just, then the it just becomes every single show based on a manga that we never saw finish because the manga passed it and then they stopped caring. We're Why talk, would you, know. you try to hurt me this way? I mean, but seriously though, like look at look at Full Metal Alchemist. Okay, Full Metal Alchemist is a perfect example because that show kind of improved on some of the first parts of of that storyline, and it was a really good show until it started to catch up with the manga and then pass it, and then that show was straight bunk. It is bad. It becomes a bad show. And then you get Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, which follows the manga almost religiously, and it's a perfect show. 
Like, it removes almost nothing. It's a little bit different. Manga is way more focused. There's yeah, not as much storylines on the like sides, it, but... It's a little different, too, because there's... It's not as fleshed out on the side, and there's definitely, like... And that world is way more empty can, compared to Invincible, but... You can... Yeah, you can see in an anime or in a manga where you could cut to, like... <laughs> like, what you what you don't... And I don't even mean don't need, but, like, what you could... If you had to get rid of stuff, what you could get rid of. Like, whole arcs that don't really impact the whole story. Yes, but, you know I mean? like, like, but again, look at Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. That doesn't really have that. No, but I mean, they took out all the filler and they just made it good. Like, <laughs> well, but the, but the, all the filler was only in the original series. It wasn't in the original manga, really. I understand. That's I my understand. point. Like, I I don't think there's when we talk about filler in Invincible, while there is there, like I would call the issue that I talked about with Bulletproof, where he accidentally kills somebody and we watch him bury a body. It's such a good. It's a masterpiece of an issue. That's why I always bring it up. I think it's. <laughs> one of the best issues of the comic and the main character is not even there and it has nothing to do with superheroics really um but like i guess you can cut that you t- definitely could cut that it doesn't impact mark's story but it definitely impacts bulletproof story and it sets up why he is the way he is for the rest of that you know the that universe need, then the yeah. argument becomes do you need bulletproof yeah, and that's what I mean. And that's what I mean. You, if you start cutting little things like that, it's like, so you don't have bulletproof. That's like again, that's like an entire season's worth of story right there. Because you know, it number one, well, it's it all the callbacks to his original his original suit and all of the you know the race but, stuff. Like it just falls on the Black Samson at that point. But I mean, you need Black Samson. Yes, you got. See, this is what I mean. Like this is this is why you couldn't you couldn't do it. You just ruin it. You're butchering. No, it. this is why I would. This is why I would be better as a producer than you would be. <laughs> it's Listen. not because the story that I tell would be better, because your story would definitely, but like, we don't have unlimited money. So if you're trying to tell me that I have to cut some stuff, I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, what can I cut? But And while I think that Bulletproof is an incredible story, I don't think that it moves Mark's story so much as it as it sheds light on... But I think, I think it, it moves, moves Eve's story, story though, as, because that's who huh? she works with. So I think it moves Eve's story, because she's working with Bulletproof when Mark's having his crisis of, should I be a superhero anymore? So like when but She doesn't when have to be. Mark doesn't. Mark could have that crisis and have it be over at the end of an episode. I, but that, that, that takes away from the actual story. Like, why even have that story at that point, then? Well, it's the same. It's the same thing that we see when Captain America dies and then comes back the next episode or the next whatever. Or Tony Stark only gets drunk for half of a comic or whatever. Yeah, like, and that and that's why Invincible is better than those comic books. I agree, but I'm saying that if you were going to produce something, you I agree. The so, comic is yes. I, okay, I will concede that that you have to make those concessions to make what exists as a product already. So if you were like, okay, so the easy answer is let's cut half that shit. It, it, you know, Iron Man, we were able to sell that he was an alcoholic from one issue. We don't need to do a four-hour arc on it. However, if you're taking away all of those things, that's what makes Invincible special. Why adapt Invincible? Well, and that's so that becomes, why is Amazon adapting it? Are they adapting it because of all the hype from the boys and they're trying to capitalize on that are they Probably. adapting it because they believe in the vision that seth rogan is trying to pitch to them how invested is seth rogan in producing it if it's not making a ton of money like right. what is their focus if you come to me and i'm the producer and you tell me i i, I want this to only run three seasons i want it to be eight hours every season what what do i need to have in it that is where the cuts start happening if you come to me and you're seth rogan and you say listen all these people have agreed to work for less money uh, we're not going to sell as many toys. We're not going to do whatever. And I want to tell it exactly the way it is. Give me eight seasons at eight hours a season or 10 hours a season. Then it's a totally different story. 
and I agree with both of the things that you're saying. And I honestly, what you're saying, like with the cutting of stuff, I wasn't even saying that that you shouldn't cut things. I was just disagreeing with the things that you just picked to cut. That's what I mean. <laughs> it was just, it was just. I mean, like I would have to reread the whole thing to pick. Yeah, I couldn't pick stuff. out everything. That's... I'm sure there's there's other there's worse chaff in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> but... Right. That was just the first time. I mean, like over this i'm like plague samson i don't really remember that much about him so he how important could he have been to he's really important to that first arc because he's the only only guardian other than um than like immortal that's around and he's the touchstone because like omni man didn't kill him because he wasn't a threat so right th- there there's that part but you're right but do you not, need to have that as a touchstone yeah, yeah. Like you don't really need that touchstone if you're watching it live. You're not reading it, waiting issue to issue. I get like it's hard. It's hard for me to divorce it. Like obviously, like I, if I had to put on my producer hat, that would be something I would consider because it doesn't carry over. However, there's certain parts of it that is that is the magic of Invincible, is that all of that does matter, and it's hard to lose one character without losing so much more later on. Because again, not much in that book really happens for pure entertainment if you look at it as a whole. So no, you it, just, it's hard you just, with that domino just, effect, you know? They have to decide what story they want to tell. I guess that, that's, that's a bigger question. Out. Do you think that they're setting out to tell the whole thing? Because like you said, Robert Kirkman tells such a succinct story from start to finish with all of these books. Do you think Invincible, do you think that's the goal? And if it's not the goal, where do you, where do you see it comfortably ending if it's not the end? So I think that based on the people who are involved and – Robert Kirkman sort of also being involved and his hype, I think that they'll try to tell as much of the whole story as they can. Like I said, I think they might trim down some of the backstory, but I think that they will try to tell as as complete a story as they can. If, however, that is not what their goal is, and their goal is to... Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can. I'm I'm listening. Sorry, my... No, my headphones made the noise when they are going to die in like 10% or something. Um, But if that is not the goal, then... Garth Ennis, that's who did the boys, sorry. (laughs) if that is not the goal then they stop it before he has a kid yeah i i think you're right i think they would have to do that and because it is seth rogan i feel like he probably would the problem i keep having is seth rogan is an amazing producer like people like he's a hilarious actor but he is a damn good producer like if you look at uh um not the priest what's is it just called priest is that the name of the the, yeah preacher preacher Thank you. Yeah. Preacher, again, I'm not a big fan of that comic book. I don't think it's as good as people remember it being. Uh, It's got a lot of issues. However, the adaptation, especially the first season, is some of the best TV ever and one of the best adaptations of a comic book to TV. And Seth Rogen really gets that. And he did remove a lot from it. Same thing with The Boys. Mm -hmm. The Boys is some of the best comic book television you can get. And he did remove most of of that book and just kept what worked. However, both of those books, way worse than Invincible. (laughs) No, I know, and I think part of it is maybe being too attached to it, like you're too attached to the source material. I, I completely agree. I think I would have a horrible time producing it. I'm just really interested to see what part, because I, I think it's going to be perfect. I Honestly, I don't have any worry that this show is going to be bad. I'm interested to see what the core of it is. I, obviously, it's Mark and the, the seriousness and, like, how they they do the dramatic and the tropes that are that are like you know taken away you don't need all of those backstory characters for all that i'm just really Mm -hmm. interested to see what pieces of those they do keep like if they don't keep black samson do they keep some of the stuff with like i don't know the the martian uh yeah i can't can't remember his name but so that comes back from the yes yeah the one that yeah the one that kind of like pretends to be a superhero yeah um 
I don't know, but I'm not saying that they like they could still be a character named Black Samson. And he no, could have yeah, a cameo. Yeah, and people yeah. who have watched it would be like, That's Black Samson. This is what he's supposed to be like. I you agree, know, yeah. It's like you're just not gonna learn his full backstory, which is way more realistic. I'm just curious to see which ones they do pick and choose because you have to keep things like immortal and duplicate because they are integral right, you have to. to what comes yeah. later on. They start as side characters but they become important. It seemed like it'd be like taking away Alan the Alien. You can't do that. That's like when, yeah. when Shyamalan tried to take away parts of Avatar when he made his movie. It's like, oh, Stop. this is just no longer You've Avatar. Gone too far. We've been talking for two hours. You've just upset me again. It's time. <laughs> My headphones are dying. This is a clear sign. Well, let's wrap it up here. I, I think I'd be really interested to hear what any of our fans think, wh- what your thoughts are on the the reboot. Quick, who would you cast as Mark in the live action version now? Um, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> That's not how it works. Keanu Reeves is 100. Um, I originally, I wanted Zac Efron, but he's too old now, I think, to, to play a teenager. Yeah, he's too old now. So I don't know. Let me see. I'm just Googling young actors. That's weird. <laughs> That's a weird thing to Google. Although uh, the little boys from, again, another Seth Rogen uh, joint, uh, Good Boys, the main kid from that who who played Robin in the Harley Quinn series, he would be a perfect mm-hmm. Oliver, I think. Yeah, he would be. I'm looking still. And Marissa Tomei is who I would have picked to be Mark Grayson's mom, but now she's fucking Aunt May, so. I would almost consider one of the kids from Stranger Things. Oh, which one? I think Um, Finn. Finn, Finn Wolfhard? Wolfhard or whatever. Yeah, yeah. man, that kid's going to be in everything. He's so talented. Like He's in the new new Ghostbusters reboot. Or you yeah. know, sequel series, sequel movie. And I'm like, oh, that's so perfect. Like, I can't wait to see him with like a fucking proton pack. But that, I think that's partly because I love Stranger Things so much. Yeah. Um. It has one of the Sprouse. I think Millie. Mil- I mean, Millie Bobby Brown's probably too old to play Monster Girl as the younger version. But Millie Bobby Brown yeah. would be a really good teenage version of Monster Girl. Uh huh. I'm looking still. Everybody from Stranger Things should be in everything, though. Yeah, they're pretty good. Like, Dacker Montgomery is, is reported. Like, that's, like, the rumor for, like, who they want as Wolverine, which I don't think is true, but I can see it. Right. That's the guy who really? played, like, Billy and uh, was in... What uh, Was Jason in the, the Power Rangers movie. Some of the kids from It, too, could potentially do it. Well, and Wolfhard's also in It, man. No, I know that he is. That's what made me think about it. Like, hello? Yeah, I'm still here. I was oh, just sorry. thinking. My, well, my thing just made another noise. So well, we like, should we should wrap it up here. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I had a lot of fun talking about Invincible. Me too. We'll probably do a follow up after the show. And probably <laughs> just talking about it for another forty five hours. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. This has been right in the feels. If you like this, subscribe. You can head over to Patreon. It's very different now, but Patreon.com slash right in the field. No. Slash can't be killed creations. <laughs> I don't even know. All right, um, all of our tiers are different. We don't have the time to put out millions of hours of content anymore. So if you like it and you just want us to keep the lights on, drop a buck or two. I'll buy Chelsea a chicken sandwich. You can head over to can't be yes. killed creations dot com. Check out our web comics over there. New comics are going up there now. I'm going to be publishing my own full size comics over there. So be excited for that. If you like me, be super afraid that I get to get paid to make that stuff. If you hate me. Um, but look for more stuff over there uh right in the fields will return or we should say chelsea will return in the next right in the fields too yes electric boomer 100 percent